0: Wrestling keeps the <laughs>
1: This is your pal Dane Alves with another enticing episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, a weekly show for new listeners, in which me and my co-host Christopher Brother Ray Patton break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news and go over certain reviews for pay-per-views and all the big shows. We go over, you know, just, just all the things going on with wrestling and just break it down for you, DX style. So I can't do this by myself. I've already had my noon beer started. I don't know. If he has, but I am joined by the great Christopher Brotheray Patton. How are you doing, Christopher?
0: I'm doing okay. Um, sinuses are a little weird today. You, you know, it comes with the season. Uh, so I am not noon bearing I'm actually uh, uh, yeah, no. So I um, I am not having noon beers. My sinuses have been kind of wonky today. So I'm actually drinking tea and I have some water.
1: Yeah, I think that I might be getting, um, which I'm sure this will help out because it's on my left ear, just like my headset, another, or an inner ear infection. Um, So my sinuses also just all over the place have been awesome. I realized I had a little bit of Flonase left uh, from the last experience, so I used that, cleared me up a little bit. But um, yeah, I was actually getting dizzy uh, in the afternoon from it, uh, which is great. I love getting older and uh, experiencing all these wonderful fucking things, Chris. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I was telling my wife the other day when I was a kid, I don't ever remember having any kind of sinus issues. Like, I'm not really allergic to anything, Um, but for whatever reason, like, when I hit my mid-twenties, summer, spring, summer comes around, my fucking nostrils just explode.
1: Yeah, first it's like the the grass and the uh, flowers, and then it's the trees that just destroy you. Um, Yeah, I don't know either. I, I never had it when I was younger, but... I live in the south now. Maybe it's because I started in Boston. I know you've lived here all your life, but holy shit, I started getting them. And the... you know what? This isn't the allergy podcast, so <laughs> complain about. <that>. I mean,
0: <laughs> you are true. Much, uh, much like AJ Styles, I am from Gainesville, Georgia.
1: You did, I, now Gainesville. I heard they're putting a statue of him soon at one of the malls. Is that true? <laughs> well, there's only one mall
0: there, and it's basically just an empty parking lot, I think, at this point. So, yeah, sure, why not?
1: What's uh, what's Gainesville University called these days? I know it's something different. I used to go there years ago.
0: Don't they call it, like, Georgia State or something?
1: Well, we need a goddamn AJ Styles freaking statue up in there somewhere. It literally
0: used to be called Gainesville College, which doesn't make any sense because it's not actually in Gainesville. It's in Oakwood. <laughs> Which is a good, good point. Like...
1: a <laughs> good point. Well, you know, WrestleMania a couple of years ago was actually in New Jersey, but they they said it was in New York. So I guess one of those type of things. Um, you don't really also want to say that you're having your WrestleMania in New Jersey, though. So sorry, guys from New Jersey. But uh, not sorry.
0: Yeah. It's not only that you're having it in New Jersey. You're having it in the fucking
1: Meadowlands. <laughs> <laughs> You, know, you there's actually a couple people from New Jersey I actually like. There's, 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 there's some good people. are Italian over there somewhere, something like that. Anyways, um, all right, so we had a week in wrestling. I got some of the highlights, Chris. I want to go down and talk to you about all the shows, including the two that were last night. We're recording this on a Saturday like we normally do. So last night was SmackDown, and then followed by... AEW Dynamite. And Chris, we're gonna play a game. Did Dane this time stay up and watch the whole thing? Uh I believe no. you did. I did not. I did not. I actually I passed out during SmackDown. I was tired. And then I woke up. Um I, I woke up at I would say eleven and watched the last hour of Dynamite and then watched all the other stuff this morning. So you know, another thing. We're younger. I could stay up until 3 a.m., no problem. Don't know how to do that anymore.
0: Yeah, I don't know. This preemptive shit is cutting into my video game time, so I watched it this morning. (laughs) Friday nights is when I play with all my friends on the Xbox.
1: Dude, that's what cool people do.
0: Usually I watch you know SmackDown and get on at like 10 and everyone's on. It's a good time. But now it's like watch SmackDown and then, oh, fuck Dynamite. So I recorded it and watched it this morning.
1: (laughs) I don't blame you. But uh, those are probably the... I would say some of the meteor things. Well, actually, there was some big stuff uh, on most of the shows. I'll, I'll put it that way. Let's go over Raw first. Um, I would say the two highlights I had, and if you have anything else, obviously, for any of these things, just add and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. But I want to say that I feel I still feel bad for, um, what is it, Adnan Verk? Um, but then again, he still had the job with the MLB Uh, covering it, so this was kind of just like an extra new thing that he was trying out. But I got to give it to you. Even though I'm still pissed off that Tom Phillips got fired because I think that he is a really good announcer. He's very much what you guys want, like a Michael Cole, but he comes off more natural. Like I said, and like many have said, him along with Byron Saxton and, um, oh, man, how am I blanking on his name? Um, Carmella's uh, fiancé. Tattooed guy, Corey. Corey, this is gonna be a good show. I took my brain vitamins <laughs> this morning for the first time. It's... These new things I'm taking. Corey Graves. Corey Graves. Yes. Anyways, they were a good commentating uh, team, the three of them. And, but I want to give Jimmy Smith some uh, some props. He's been studying apparently since January. He hasn't, and I kind of gave him shit about it last week. Been a big fan since he was a kid, but. I have no idea what that means as far as, like, so they had him clued in uh, in January that this might be an option, I guess. uh, I mean, if you're going to get involved in wrestling and start studying and also not just the old stuff, the new stuff, so you can actually know the moves, which I was very surprised many times that he did. uh, He's got that. I mean, he's broadcasted for Bellator and also for UFC. I think he did interviews. He's a past MMA fighter. But... He brings a level of credibility and wasn't stepping on toes. Uh, he was allowing Corey to kind of guide the heel side, but also call the matches. Why or be the color guy while also Byron Saxton really took more of the play by play. But I thought added a good element, uh, given the fact that I did not like um, Mr. Verk. Uh, you know, I just didn't think that he was ready for it. So I just, I actually want to give him a little bit of props. I thought he did a good job. I don't even know if you got a chance to watch raw. I told you, you didn't have to anymore. I gave you that freedom, Chris, but somehow on Mondays, I need some, some help sleeping. So, you know, I, I usually throw that on.
0: So I, I can't sit through a full three hour Raw. It's just disappointed me way too often for the past. I don't know. Let's say eight years. Um, so what I did was I, uh, pretty much I just recorded it and then I skipped through to things that you say is good because usually you'll say something in the chat about a certain match <laughs> and I can kind of tell just by skipping through, but I, I agree with you on the commentary. I think, uh, he, he is much better than Adnan Verk. so we'll see where it goes, but I mean, it's hard to tell from one show. And, and like I said, I didn't watch all of it. I probably, I did the good old skip rooney um, on the DBR for a good portion of the show, which, looking did, at the recap now. Did you do, like,
1: now... a up uh, dance when you did the uh, Skipper Ernie, by any chance? Like, kind of, <laughs> no? Yes, no? yes, I did.
0: I mean, like, I guess, like, as soon as I see fucking Mace and T-Bar, I just fast-forward even faster. I okay, I not. was,
1: I'm so glad that you <laughs> mentioned them, and I really, I know that after all that shit, with their past group. And I really feel bad that they kind of put Ali in that spot to be the leader of retribution. Now he's having killer matches, but it's on, like we've said in the past main event with Ricochet, uh, who will get killed back to back with Humberto Carrillo, um, with Seamus on raw, but, uh, Seamus got his fucking nose broken. That was pretty gnarly, but, uh, getting back to it, I remember Luke Harper, you know, rest in peace, uh, Brody Lee, um, I remember him talking about, to Chris Jericho, how he was presented with the idea of basically resurrecting demolition uh, with him and Rowan, which would end up being what they made out of it, which was the Bludgeon Brothers, which I don't think was the, the greatest concept. But I look at the two of these guys, and like I, I like I said, I know Dominic Dijakovic is trying to do whatever he can, and Mace is you know, visually scary looking, but I feel like they're wearing, they look like Demolition, like modern, like they even have the makeup, like, you know, Dominic's makeup is exactly the same thing as fucking Smash.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. It's something I never thought of just because I would never compare them in my mind <laughs> to Demolition just because they're not as good. But yeah, that I could totally see them going for that. I mean, it kind of reminds me of a, uh, who the hell was that team that they wanted to be the Road Warriors that were there well, for Ascension, a while? But
1: that, that that were good at NXT and then they buried them on the main product, and yeah. then they were, then they couldn't be your new Road Warriors. It's weird how that works. Hey, you know what's that like? The Viking Raiders, huh? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean if you're trying to build a tag team like that, you can't have them fucking job out. The entire beginning of their career on the main roster, like uh, someone like Demolition or the Road Warriors, because they didn't fucking lose. They smashed everyone. That's, I mean, that's that's kind of a key part of Demolition or the Road Warriors.
1: I have to agree with you. And I will give it that Dominic is, uh, it makes sense that he's smashed since, um, what was it, Bill Eddy, uh, the one who played Smash, who was also. The Repo Man, and he was Colonel uh, Koschev. You know, he could reinvent himself, and he was always known as a good worker. So it doesn't matter. But uh, the other big thing, I think one of the better matches this week was Drew McIntyre versus Kofi Kingston. They had an excellent match. Drew McIntyre went over. So it looks like Bobby Lashley for uh, against Drew McIntyre once again for the title in a Hell in the Cell. I'm not 100% sure on that because that's how much attention I give to Raw. But I'm assuming it might be. If not, it's just a one-on-one match, again, for the title. I was really, like many, kind of hoping that Kofi, you know, this was going to be the summer of Kofi. And even if he didn't beat Bobby Lashley, we might have a match and then build up even more to SummerSlam if we don't have a big opponent like a Brock Lesnar in mind to go against Bobby Lashley at the big event itself.
0: Yeah, I have to agree with you, and the two matches I, I watched off the show was the, the main event with Kofi and Drew, just because I knew that would be a good match, and Kofi's been having really good matches lately. So is Drew. Um, but and, and then the Xavier Woods-Randy Orton match, and it's just kind of fucking weird to think about that like New Day has been carrying the show for the past two weeks, because weren't yep. they also in the two best matches last week?
1: They were. They definitely so- were. I. Kofi and Xavier are on fire right now and uh, involved in some of the better programs. I mean, I know, I guess they're going to go position now and take Kofi and put him with Xavier again against Riddle and uh, Randy Orton, but it, it, it's, it does prove that they have been holding down Monday Night Raw as of lately. Yeah, I, I would
0: say so. Um, it was also good to see the Miz back even in, in his limited capacity, I will say. Um that at least they have something for him to do instead of him just kind of wasting away while he's injured. Because uh, he did the Miz TV earlier in the night, right?
1: Yeah. And, I, you know, I think they should do that more often. I know the Miz has the the ability to speak on the mic, Chris, and that's more of a reason uh, than said certain other individuals when they get injured. You know, um, Ivar, for instance. Obviously, I'm not going to keep Ivar back to just talk for whatever reason. But the Miz... He can do promos. He can still be active. He can still be the manager for John Morrison. And I don't know if you're getting this at all, but it might be silly banter, but it seems like the Miz is starting to get annoyed at John Morrison. Are we going to finally see that situation split up and have John Morrison be a babyface in either the mid card for the U.S. belt or for the World Heavyweight belt sometime soon?
0: Yeah, I definitely think that's where they're going, and that might be why they're having Miz do these Miz TVs. Um, The only thing is, because Miz is injured, it would almost have to be Morrison turning heel on a heel. Because I would assume the the thing would be that he would attack Miz's leg, right? Get pissed off and attack Miz's leg? (laughs) Um, Yeah. But WWE books shit like that, and then... The next week, the guy's a baby face because they think, you know, because Miz is a heel, it's okay for the baby face to, you know, try to rip his
1: leg off. Yeah, very true. And uh, just just finishing out Raw, I'll say that Raw still. I mean, it's just it's a very long dragging show, and I still think at this point, if you are a fan, even like someone who's more diehard. You don't have to watch it like me and Chris. We don't really necessarily have to watch it. It's something to watch on Mondays. But if you're keeping up a little bit with the details, going back and watching matches or promos that you were told were good or watching maybe even, if you want to, uh, a breakdown like they put on YouTube, uh, you can just wait for the pay-per-views. It's not like SmackDown where I feel like SmackDown really is taking stories and going forward. I'm excited about Bianca and – you know, her and Bailey's match. I'm definitely excited with Roman and the Usos and everything that's going on with that. So yeah. Would you, would you agree with that? Closing comments on raw that it's not essential to watch it. You can actually get most of it from the pay-per-views probably for the rivalries.
0: Yeah, I would say so. And I mean, because they do those DM pre like the giant pre-show that just recaps everything that happened for every match for an hour. Anyways, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a weird way to look at it. I mean, there's great stuff on Raw. There are really good. And they've been doing this thing where they're like, hey, let's let, you know, Kofi have a 15, 20-minute match. Or let's let Randy and Xavier have a long match. So they've been doing more of that. But it, the problem is all the crap in between. Like, I I don't know, man. Like I said, the, the, the T-Bar promo, like we had... I'm just looking back through like Shayna Baszler and Reginald are still do. they're still doing that gimmick. Like there's just for everything good on raw, there's like five things bad. You know what I mean? That's the problem. There's great workers there and they could probably be utilized very well. But I mean, in comparison to NXT or SmackDown, Raw is like just a plotting show. That's too long with, you know, some highlights here and there. So yeah, I I tend to agree with you. And then that's why I can't sit down and watch the whole damn thing anymore. I have to, DVR it and then watch it later. Especially, you know, NBA playoffs and NHL playoffs are going on. And I'd much rather turn my attention to that um, versus a three-hour Raw.
1: Yeah, you know, especially if you want to see LeBron James leaving six minutes before the end of the game um, to go in the back and start, you know, his therapy uh, for himself. Sorry, I'm not even a sports guy, so I can't comment that much. But I heard about that, watched the replays, and I thought, yeah, Jordan and Kobe would definitely do that. That's good. Uh, Sorry, one uh, shots.
0: <laughs> I uh, I was more on the NHL side of things, so I've been I've been watching the Stanley Cup playoffs. But yes, I did I, also yeah. hear about that.
1: And I definitely understand because I know that you love hockey. Actually, uh, Chris, real quick, don't you have a hockey show? Yes, we do. Skates
0: to Throats, and we're actually recording at some point this weekend. Um, We're going back into the Detroit Red Wings, continuing that, and uh, going over everything that happened in the playoffs, and also that very nasty uh, Shifley hit that happened that ended up in a four-game suspension, which I'll send that to you later, Dane, if you haven't seen it, but it was kind of floating around everywhere, even in non-sports outlets, because it was pretty nasty.
1: Yeah, you'll have to to definitely send it. Um, I I don't know about that, but that sounds pretty... uh pretty ruthless. And I've seen hockey games many times. I've had friends and my brother played hockey, so it's a... Uh, and also the live stuff back when the Thrashers were somewhat of a thing. But um, yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, so I kind of want... I was going to go over this in a news cycle, but it kind of pertains to Raw in a way. Um, with SmackDown, first SmackDown back live in July, uh, it's all but been confirmed that John Cena is going to be there. Now, the speculation is... You know, since he has apparently a gap in Hollywood right now between movies, if that could be building towards a program for a sequel to his match with Roman Reigns um, at SummerSlam to be a big marquee match. We haven't talked about that yet, but that's been getting more and more, I would say, publicity as of lately uh, with the speculation. But it looks like he's definitely going to be on a SmackDown. Now, the question is that everyone's wondering on the other side of Raw, Brock Lesnar is not, and Paul Heyman has brought this up lately, he's not signed to a contract with WWE, but in the past he's done event by event, obviously, for Vince. I don't think he would be going anywhere else, uh, you know, wrestling-wise. I think he would definitely just stay stationed in WWE for certain things, but everyone's wondering if Vince is going to go all out and try to have Brock Lesnar go against whoever wins between Uh, Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley for the title at SummerSlam. Uh, I I would assume, even though Drew and Brock have unfinished business, maybe, that the poster that a lot of people, maybe not me and you, per se, but because I'm whatever on it, but people have been clamoring for the two MMA past guys, Bobby Lashley, Brock Lesnar for the title. That one's more of a speculation, but the John Cena stuff, he's going to be on the first SmackDown live in front of fans. Do you think they're going to go and have Mr. Ultimate Babyface, unless he's talking to China, um, and, you know, making up for shit, um, go against Roman Reigns? And do you think that Brock Lesnar, you know, we had all that stuff from Paul Heyman that was kind of like, maybe, which is always a great, he sounded like CM Punk answering a fucking political question, for Christ's sakes. Um, Not so much political question, but they sound like politicians. Uh, So, yeah, what do you think about SummerSlam? Do you think it will end up being Brock Lesnar against either Drew and Bobby and then also John Cena against Roman? Uh, Both, I would assume, to be put over. Uh, I don't know why you would have either win the title. Well, the next pay-per-view is Hell in the Cell, right? Yeah. This is is building to SummerSlam, basically, when they go back
0: live. Uh, What I was going to say is I think we'll know a lot if Drew McIntyre loses – at Hell in a Cell. If, if Bobby retains there, then I assume they're setting up something big for Bobby Lashley, which all signs would point to Brock just because he has no one left to beat. Um, and as we'll talk about a little later in the news cycle, Braun is gone, and they haven't built anyone else up to go against Lashley. So, yeah, I mean, it would make a lot of sense if they can get Brock to come in. That would... I don't personally care for that match. I would rather see Drew and Brock again, just because I know that's going to be a better match. Um, yep, but you know that's personal preference. I, I it would be a big draw for WWE. A lot of people have wanted to see that match. So two big men slapping meat always sells apparently. Uh, <laughs> and then on the other side, same thing with Roman. He's beat everybody, so it would make sense if they can get Cena to do it. I mean that's a big card for SummerSlam. Uh, I mean the only other person I could think of that they could bring in to have a big match with with Reigns would be like The Rock, and I don't necessarily see that happening, at least not until... I mean, not unless they're going to do something at Mania.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that's more of a Mania match, but John Cena is going to be there the first week that everything opens back up in July at SmackDown. Yeah, I don't think he's just coming to say, hey, I think that that's building up to something. What I will say, and people probably don't want to hear this, I could definitely see... John Cena putting over Roman. Um, I think he lost the last match to Roman, so this will just be another one where they have a great match and Roman goes over. It you know puts him in the right direction like he's been going. That potentially, I think, is going to be going against him and Seth Rollins, but I don't know how we get there because the King of Drip has been a dickhead for a long time, so you can't do heel versus heel. But I feel like that's in the future. That's in the pipeline. But with Proc Lester and Bobby Lashley, Chris, I'm telling you, You know, Brock is Brock. It's like Charlotte for – or Sasha for either of their divisions. It's like Roman for SmackDown. It's like Okada for New Japan. We'll talk about stuff like that in a little while. Uh, Jay Lethal for Ring of Honor. Kenny for AEW. You understand what I'm saying right now. The guys that you kind of put the title on because if you don't have someone new, you put it back on. Is Brock Lesnar, if he – is going against either Drew or Bobby Lashley, either or, at SummerSlam. Do you think Brock Lesnar is going to take the title? Because I kind of think that he would. Uh, and then we would have the whole Paul Heyman representing Brock Lesnar, the champion on one, Roman on the other, and wherever we can go with that in storyline.
0: I could definitely see them doing that. Um, I don't know that. At least the diehard fans aren't going to like it, or say they don't like it at least. And you can see the internet community just steaming right now at it, even the thought of it. The thing is, is like people want that match, but they don't want the outcome of how Vince will probably book that match, is, which is exactly what you said. Like You put it back on Brock. He's a bigger draw than Lashley. He's a bigger draw than Drew McIntyre. So if you're going to bring him in and sign him to a contract where he's going to make these appearances, you're going to get that Brock. You're going to get that Paul Heyman. And I, you eventually would build to him versus Roman. I guess if you're not gonna do something big with the rocket, you know, Mania. And and that's just that's what you would that's what Vince would do. The one thing you can predict in WWE is the heavyweight title picture. Like you can't predict the rest of the show for shit, but if you start seeing things set up and line up like this, you can pretty much almost dead on nail it to Mania.
1: Yep. And I also think that, you know, Roman Brock, that whole entire storyline, um, they can go further later on with it if they want. Uh, But, you know, I think maybe just me, the classic Survivor Series matches, the four on four, five on five matches, it doesn't really do anything. I think a lot of us have talked about if it's not for a number one contender, what's the point? But the matches that have really sold those pay-per-views are your big champions against the other champions. They could make Survivor Series one of the bigger pay-per-views and a huge sell if they have Roman, who has been built like this you know against Brock Lesnar now again the champion on raw and then Heyman's in the middle of his two biggest clients you know that's that's just I'm thinking business wise ahead for whoever <laughs> if, if it's if it's if it's Vince if we're talking about Khan if we're talking Khan sorry how to say that if we're talking about Khan if we're talking about this concept of of NBC Universal acquiring WWE that we will talk about um You know, I wonder if they would try to do that to make uh, Survivor Series an even bigger, you know, event.
0: Possibly, but it's one of those things where do you, if you, because you know they're going to, if they sign Brock, if they've done what they've done in the past, they're going to sign him to what, like six appearances? And then a few, or like four pay-per-views and then like six Raws, I think is what they did last time.
1: Uh, and a merry-go-round, uh, merry-go-round uh, ride afterwards. <laughs> Oreo cookies let out the tops on them.
0: <laughs> but uh, I could I could see them. I mean, that would be a great match for Survivor Series. I just don't I, – I mean, I guess it just depends on if they really think – what it depends on what they think they're going to have it, at WrestleMania. But I guess they could do that at Survivor Series and then just do the rematch at Mania if they had to. Yeah. Um,
1: Oh, what about a four-way? Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, Walter, Karrion and Cross. Four-way elimination <laughs> yes. match. Who's the best champion? Oof.
0: that would be awesome. I would be down to see Walter. Um, I, if they do a survive, have they done this in the past? And maybe they haven't. I'm just forgetting. If they do a Survivor Series match between you know Raw and SmackDown, it would be kind of cool if they brought up NXT, and then maybe just take the amount of people on each team down and just take,
1: do a new well, take on Survivor Series. They did it two years ago, and it was really successful, and that was when they first went to Cable. Um, you know, you you had Adam Cole defend the title against Pete Dunne on that pay-per-view, but other than that, there was an NXT team, and they won, and I think Keith Lee was the one who got the, the win for the team. There was three different teams, but they didn't really position NXT Raw and SmackDown in three ways at least that year. They kind of separated it with other matches and had the, the five-on-fives represent the uh, warfare, if you will. Um, but I would love that head-on, just all the champions from each big division.
0: Yeah, I mean, that would make the most sense for this. I, I forgot about that, because like, Triple H was involved in those storylines as well, leading up to that pay-per-view. But that two years ago, man, that seems like forever ago.
1: All right. Well, speaking about NXT, let's move over to NXT. And Chris, this is the note that I put on my piece of paper. Adam Cole, Bebe. That was it. That was it. Um, I mean, the biggest thing to talk <laughs> about. I mean, all right. So great tag match for the championship belts. I'll definitely say that. But... So we have an awesome match, a three-way for the number one contender with, uh, you know, Johnny Gargano, um, Kyle O'Reilly, and Pete Dunn. The winner will go against Cross at TakeOver. And at the end of it, Adam Cole comes in and kicks the shit out of all three of these guys and kind of takes a stance in the ring. William Regal's pissed off. He looks so defeated this whole episode. Gets Adam Cole to leave. Adam Cole gets back in, uh, does an interview uh, in the ring by himself and calls out Karrion Kross. Uh, you know, what I was saying earlier about certain championships that just look great, like, you know, I said Okada and, and Brock Lesnar and, and certain other people, I think Adam Cole definitely is that guy for NXT. You know, maybe you could say a Finn Balor, but I think it proves that even, I think Adam Cole just coming out here, talking shit to Karrion Cross. I'm not necessarily happy about the stipulation afterwards. About it being a five on five, Chris, uh, or being a five way, I should say, with all of them going against each other at TakeOver. I think that could become a clusterfuck. But with that 90 minute or that uh, 60 minute Ironman match that they did uh, beforehand with, I think, four or five people, they did a really good job of of setting that up. But I just want to say, with Adam Cole said to Carrion Cross at one point, all right, so. All right, Cole says NXT has done everything possible to make Cross look special, with the entrance, the fog, the girl. But what do they do to make Adam Cole feel special? They ring the bell. Cole says on Cross's best day, he can't lace his boots or hang with him. And anyone who watches pro wrestling knows it. Cole says he is the special, while carrying Cross is just a guy who has Cole's property. Dude, this promo was awesome. I thought Karrion Cross definitely held himself as well. I liked how he took that level of anger and told like William Regal to shut up. This is what we're going to do for the title. Like once again though, William Regal looked like a uh, little bit of a bitch, you know, uh, with these two individuals, these egos clashing. But is Adam Cole the best wrestler in NXT and the best person to hold the title if they're going to take it off Karrion Cross? and maybe put him in other situations, if you will. Not that I'm excited. I I, I don't think that he's... I feel like there's no way you can fuck him up, but he seems like... Every time I say that, it happens. But I'm just saying he looks like someone Vince would want immediately. Um, Adam Colbebe, what do you think?
0: He is definitely one of the best, if not the best, in NXT. I mean, I would put Finn Balor up there as well, as far as just overall... In um, ring presence and, and their ability to have great matches and, and having that aura kind of around them. I also liked Cross's response of calling him no longer special after that long-winded rant and uh, seeing some anger and them actually letting Cross talk a little bit. I know a lot of other people didn't like that because um, they want this guy to just be a monster. But we saw what happened to like Aleister Black when he got to the main roster as just being that guy. So it's good that Cross is stepping out and also, you know, cutting promos and having that personality, especially if if what you're saying might happen where, you know, he just drops the title and he gets called to the main roster. So this guy's showing personality and being able to cut a promo. That's
1: important. So the question is, do you, you know, kind of before we exit NXT titles on the line? I don't think anyone besides Adam Cole or Karrion Cross is going to get that title. Do you think Adam Cole might be the one to take the title back, or do you think Karrion Cross is going to win that five-way at Takeover?
0: I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna retain it here.
1: Um, Cole better he'll... not take the loss though. He better not take the uh, the pin in it.
0: Yeah, that's the whole thing because it's a five-way match. They can get a, get around that, and they can still have Cole and, and Cross do another pay per view before they do any kind of title drop. It just seems like it's too soon to pull it off, Cross. Honestly, but they could definitely do that down the road. I, I will say real quick, the uh, the Kashida Carmelo Hayes match was fucking great on the show. As yeah,
1: well. it was. That was another good one. Uh, Carmelo Hayes definitely someone that looked extremely good, and I'm looking forward to seeing him more. You know, I've I've heard some stuff about him and the cruiserweight division getting built up for NXT, so I would have to agree with you. Um, I actually kind of wanted to veer to Impact. I have a couple notes uh, down for it, and we're going to be talking about their pay per view. So uh, one of them pertaining to the AEW champion. I will say one of the, the match of the week. Uh, if you guys want to watch the whole match, basically they said this last time that they were going to have a uh, setup for the 60-minute match the Iron Man match between Joshua Alexander and TJP for the X Division title. I forgot about this um, and checked over uh, probably 30 minutes before Impact because I remembered, you know, a little bit beforehand, and I watched the last 40 minutes. And from what I watched, even uh, missing the first 20 minutes, it was an awesome fucking match. Uh, Josh Alexander regained the title and even, uh, you know, uh, after winning and, and him and TJP just having uh, sportsmanship and just him basically clarifying to Scott D'Amore that while Kenny takes the Impact title and does what he will with it, that he's the actual working champion on Impact. I thought that was awesome. I thought it was funny that everyone all of a sudden wanted the title shot right afterwards, including um, uh, PD Williams, who's his tag partner. I love, the, I love the pairing, by the way, because Josh Alexander has the old school gear that Rick Steiner would wear, wrestling gear. He's a great wrestling collegiate wrestler that's well known. Used to be, obviously, in the North uh, with Ethan Page since he's from Canada, him and Petey Williams. But they haven't had PD Williams go back to Big Papa Pump. It's like you have that. You know, or, or Little Papa Papa, whatever the fuck they called him. You have that chance to have the small Scott Steiner with this giant Rick Steiner behind him, but that's nothing. It was a great match, uh, great Iron Man match between him and TJP, uh, and he still has the title. But mainly on that thing, we had Kojima uh, you know, show up. Uh, he's now going to be a prominent person on Impact. I found out that I did not know this. The only person, or one I think of three, but the only person to hold at the same time of the Triple Crown Championship over at All Japan and the IWGP Heavyweight Championship held them at the same time. And I've always liked Kojima. I've seen him live. He's great. He's 50 years old. But him and Joe During, who is a past uh, Triple Crown Champion over at All Japan, they're building two uh, with Violent by Design kind of stopping him. And then Sammy and Moose were having a match uh, the winner, because Sammy was saying that he got fucked over, which he did at the pay-per-view, that Moose won for number one contender. Uh, Moose let him have a match. The winner would go against Kenny Omega at the next pay-per-view. Uh, and Kenny screwed over the match, uh, causing a DQ by taking out both guys. So even though he just did this in, um, in AEW, I really feel like Kenny's going to have another three-way at Bound for Glory, against Moose and Sammy Callahan for that Impact title. So just a couple notes. I don't know or think that you might have watched any of this, but does any of this stuff sound appealing from Impact Wrestling on Thursday night? Uh, the,
0: the prospect of Sammy Callahan and Moose versus Kenny Omega, that sounds like a pretty good three-way. That's fun. I like the, uh, the Crazy Steve versus, I'm trying to remember the damn tag team's name now. Um, the Eric Young, whatever Eric Young's group is. Violent by design. Yeah, that should be fun. And then uh I liked seeing Morrissey. I thought like I that's one thing I did catch from this, uh, outside of the stuff we just talked about was uh Big Cass just beating the absolute hell out of Rich Swan. Uh and he, he looks, looks great. Scary, man He did. This is a, a very different big cass. <laughs> but uh I, I hope I'm pronouncing it's Morrissey, right? W. Yeah. Morrissey is what he's going for with his new gimmick name. Um, I watched that. I thought that was awesome. That's someone that they could have, like, an awesome match with Moose. So I, I'm pretty sure that Sammy Callahan's probably taking the pin so that they could set that match up. You know, two big men slapping meat, man.
1: It's always a good thing. All right, SmackDown, last night. Uh, the Usos lose the match to Mysterios, but it was countered later on, realizing that uh, Jay, or no Jimmy Uso's uh, shoulder was up during the pin. Uh, this was just a setup, basically Roman. I mean, given Dominic was about to get the frog splash, but who knows who is going to, you know, um, if, if Jimmy were to have kicked out of that, or maybe it was Jay. I don't remember who was, who was set for it. But Roman comes, causes a DQ, uh, you know, beats the living crap out of Rey Mysterio, and then just starts destroying Dominic, uh, putting him in his chokehold, not letting go until Jimmy told him that was it. Uh, They kind of look face-to-face towards each other, like they're about to go at it. Jimmy leaves, and Jay's split in the middle between the tribal chief, his cousin, Roman Reigns, and his brother, Jimmy Uso. So, big stuff. I love the Shakespearean. That's what it is. The storyline with this whole entire thing is very Shakespearean uh, with Roman Reigns. It's just very well done, and one of my favorite storylines in wrestling right now.
0: have to agree with you. I would say it's the best storyline in wrestling. And uh, is definitely a big part of why SmackDown has been such a good show as of late. I love this. I don't know where it's going for the pay-per-view. I mean, you would assume it has to be Jimmy versus Jay to some capacity, right?
1: Unless they put him against Mysterios again, and then that causes Jay to fuck over Jimmy in some way. Maybe they lose, Jimmy takes the pin... Roman comes down, tells Jay to finish off Jimmy, and then Jim, you know, he beats the crap out of his brother, and that builds towards the two of them at, at uh, SummerSlam. I could see the, something like that too. But what I'm saying is the Usos are not going to be a tag team for a, a while uh, coming soon, and they're definitely not getting those tag titles, I don't think, for a time right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe a lot of this pivots off of uh, John Cena and, and how long he's going to be around if he is going to do SummerSlam. Could have something where, you know, Jay and uh, Jay and Jimmy screw over Roman or something if they want to go that route. But I don't think they're going to break this group up. It's more just going to be Roman putting them in line.
1: Either way, great storytelling. Uh, the only thing else I have from last night, and there was some good stuff, like I said, I liked. Uh, I think that Bailey's really getting Bianca's head. I don't know what's going on with Sasha. I have no idea where the hell she's been. I don't know if there's keeping her off and they're pacing or what. But Bailey, even though she lost last time, it seems like Bianca is sick of her shit and we're going to have them have a great match. Hopefully at hell in the cell, they just had a pretty damn good match. The last pay-per-view just, uh, you know, if she already lost, so that's, that's my biggest thing. And then I guess, so KO has a match against Apollo. He gets attacked by his monster beforehand. You know, who, the one who thumbed him in the throat the week previous. Uh, so they, they say that he can't go to ringside to help out Apollo. And it's just Kevin Owens and Apollo. And, you know, Apollo still screws him over, pins him. And then Sammy comes out. And Sammy Zayn once again, attacks Kevin Owens, beats the crap out of him. So I guess, once again, we don't have anything for Sammy and Kevin Owens to do. So let's put him in a program together um they always have good matches but is this a tired trope of wwe when it comes to these two guys yeah i
0: mean eventually you would think that sammy just comes out and helps kevin right <laughs> he's like i'm tired of getting my ass kicked by kevin owens uh yeah it is getting a little tired but you know the as a uh, in-ring fan you always get a, at least you get to see a kevin owens sammy Zayn
1: match i guess that's a good point all right, so we uh, we'll move on to AEW and talk about the last bit of wrestling news, unless you have something else from SmackDown, Chris.
0: Yeah, I have a follow up for you because they don't really have a set Hell in a Cell match yet. Are they just going to do Sammy Callahan versus Kevin Owens in a grudge match in a cell? Because if so, that could be fucking cool. That would be a good reason to reignite this.
1: You mean Zane, And yes, I hope that is the position because I think they would have a great Hell in the Cell, and that's something that both guys. Uh, probably would like to play with, uh, given the chance to go against each other.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just that that's something we've never seen those two do, so that would be at least something new to this feud and, and maybe a good way to finally put the nail in the coffin, I guess. Uh, yeah, and I, I did mean Sami Zayn, sorry. I had Callahan on the brain just because we talked about
1: impact. I don't, you know, definitely understand. CW... Um, thought it was very interesting. We had a match. Uh, Phoenix got taken out. It was supposed to be the Lucha Brothers versus the Young Bucks, uh, but Phoenix got taken out. And for some reason, they even exclaimed that this was something the Young Bucks recorded. They'll probably be on their YouTube station, but it's too offensive to, to air on TNT. And I'm like, no, guys, just fucking show the footage of Phoenix getting his ass kicked. So if anyone misses that one little part, You know, it's on them, but they miss a video of the footage itself. But if you're just explaining it, just, like, throwing it in the match, whatever. That's one thing that just annoys me with AEW that I'm not going to kind of just, you know, let up. But uh, still great match. Pac, uh, Pentagon, you know, we're going to talk about Double or Nothing. I love Pentagon's new Joker look. I think it's fucking awesome. Uh, He showed up at, like I said, Double or Nothing with it first. And, uh, you know, Young Bucks healing it up. Uh, using Brandon Cutler uh, towards their advantage. And then afterwards, when they beat him, just beating the hell out of him until they got saved by Eddie Kingston, who has issues with Pac and still issues with his ex-best friend, Pentagon, but even showed later on when Pac and Pentagon told him to F off, basically. He's trying, you know, he's a babyface now, so he's going to try to, like, you know, make amends, if you will, and Pac's kind of borderline. So we'll see where that goes, but excellent match. Um... But that's that that that's what the uh, that's what's going on with the uh, the Bucks. We got more cockiness and arrogance, and you know people helping them out in the matches. And I think it's good. I I, I think that the uh, the the look of the elite, aka the Click, I guess 2.0 or whatever the fuck, um, you know it's it's going good for them. And I like this added element about Eddie Kingston since. Moxley is injured, quote unquote, um, that he's trying to make amends with Phine- with, uh, with Pentagon. So I thought that was actually cool too. What did you What did you think about that first match, Chris?
0: I thought it was a really really good match, man. Um, I'm getting a little tired of the Bucks myself personally, but that's just me. I, I don't necessarily like the way they've been portraying themselves as part of this clique, but I've bitched about that in the past, so I'll just uh, I'll let it go for the time time being but I mean are they what where are they even building the Bucks from here you know are are, I guess Kazarian and Christopher Daniels
1: well that was something I'm glad that you reminded me about uh and this is something once again that has been I think started on being the elite now Frankie Kazarian is going by the elite hunter and he's taken out elite members you know uh and he did that on the pay-per-view so I I guess that's new, a new added element. But as far as the two of them, him and Daniels are supposed to be done because of the Bucks. so I don't know. It's an interesting twist. I don't know who goes against the Young Bucks and takes those titles off of him with the reaction we got on Double or Nothing, you know, and like I said, we'll talk more about that in a second. Uh, maybe it should be the, uh, the Blondes. I'm just saying. I think that Brian Pillman is over like Rover right now. And people will get into that, even if you have to have some shit happen with Eddie Kingston maybe causing it on accident or something. Like a big upset.
0: That would be cool. And I mean, the, the Bucks, they don't necessarily need the titles, right? I mean, being, being part of the elite, they don't necessarily have to have the titles. And, the, and there would be a funny conversation with Kenny holding three belts after they lose their titles. Uh, the Kazarian Hunter stuff is very interesting to me because I could also see him just cutting a promo. You get he's he's sitting down with Christopher Daniels and he's like, come on, man, you got one more match left in you. I know you said you were going to call it quits, but, you know, they, they they could have a great back and forth there. There's a lot of cool routes they can go with the tag division and tag division is great. Like I said, uh, my, my main thing is that I just find the Bucks current personality annoying, not necessarily what I would consider great hill work. Just it just annoys me, which is different.
1: <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm I'm the same way. Uh, And Kenny, a little bit too. Uh, It's starting to get on my nerves because, and and maybe they're just doing a really good job being heels, but to me, it's like, uh, all right, guys, whatever. Just keep on. Like, even like Nick's dyeing his his facial hair to be darker and, and having the septum piercing, it's like, I guess they know what gets under people's skin. I'll just give them that at least.
0: Yeah, I mean.
1: Yeah, I guess.
0: <laughs> I don't want it to get under my skin so bad that I just don't want to watch it, though. That's the thing. <laughs> That's the difference, right? <laughs> That's the x yeah. go, go. I don't want go-away heat, basically.
1: All right, so a uh, big thing that happened. Two back-to-back moments. Very awkward segue between them, but we had Mark Henry come out, um, basically talking about what he's going to be doing. He's going to be a coach. Uh, he's going to be the one... Uh, one of the guys, a part of the booth, on the new Rampage show on Fridays. And uh, Tony asked him the question that was interrupted by the next part with Vicky uh, Guerrero. But, you know, is there something left in the ring? And uh, it's, see, Mark Henry's in really good shape, Chris. Before we get into the Andrade stuff that would happen right after this, Mark's in really good shape. Um, I know he's big on a lot of those Guys over there. He's, he's, you know, especially Powerhouse Hobbs. Uh, he helped a little bit. Jane Cargill's one of his recruits. Um, so, Mark Henry's probably going to get in the ring one more time. Uh, are you looking forward to seeing that? And who would you like to see him go against? Oh, man. Maybe him I... and Big Show one last match? I don't. I. I would almost want it to be someone
0: like Miro, where it would be you're putting another, you know, big guy over, or someone that's perceived to be a big guy, or or someone like Lance Archer. You know what I mean? Um, but I. I don't know, man. That's a hard question to answer because Mark Henry would be able to have a good match, even even though he's going to be a little more limited than he used to be. But he doesn't have to do that much because he's Mark fucking Henry. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's a very good question. I haven't even thought about it. Uh, it would, it's definitely would be cool to see him one more time in the ring, though.
1: Maybe he will just, like, end the program with Taz calling him out and putting over Powerhouse Hobbs. That could help him out a lot. And I don't know, Mark Henry from listening to Busted Open is very high on him, but I was excited about this. I was even excited, or more excited, I should say, by what happened following, like I said, awkward to go from one to the other, and they've done this, where it's like, you think the person's coming out to be involved with the, stuff going on currently in the ring, you know, stuff with Mark Henry and Tony Schiavone. But then it's not, it's kind of a, just a slight transition. We have Vicky Guerrero come out saying, excuse me. And she introduced the newest member of AEW, uh, someone that within the contract can still work with AAA, which is good because he's working over there, working over here, uh, has that whole situation uh, thought about, but it's Andrade. And he's now going by Andrade El Idolo, which is the idol. So, you know, his old, like, little catchphrase in NXT that they kind of dropped once he made it to the main roster. But, you know, there was a time period where people were saying... And the funny thing is, like, Andre's always gotten crap because of his... Or at least why uh, Vince didn't look as much upon him uh, for his, you know, his English, but... I thought he sounded fine. Very clear. Cut a great promo after, after Vicky, you know, he's here. I'm sure it's going to build obviously towards his match with Kenny at triple mania, but now he's a main main player and signed to a contract with AEW. Andrade has now pushed himself as one of the best, um, entering wrestlers in the company because he is so fucking good. And I'm a huge Andrade fan. I love the pairing actually with Vicky. It makes a lot of sense with a lot of comparisons with Eddie Guerrero. To me, I've always said he's has this intensity side and 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 more of a um, what's it called? The matches like you know, where he just he 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 gets angry. He's an angry streak uh, when it comes to his matches. That kind of more reminds me of of a Macho Man Randy Savage, and but also has that arrogance to him that kind of reminds me of a Rick Rude. And then you have the fact that yeah, there is some Eddie qualities definitely in there. Um, I'm looking forward to this pairing with him and Vicky. I think this is actually a better pairing than Nyla in my personal opinion. And we'll talk about her and, in, uh, in a little while with what happened with her and Britt Baker, but you know, Andrade, another great name, um, to add towards the arsenal of AEW. And I know everyone's worried about adding more people towards the product, but we are getting another hour with rampage. Um, I think it just comes to the fact that they need to start figuring out who is not worthy enough to be on Dynamite and Rampage. No offense to them, that should probably stick towards their YouTube shows until they're, you know, built enough uh, to actually make their main roster uh, appearance. And I think sometimes they do use talent that kind of uh, could be pushed a little bit for a bigger name uh, or, or someone who has more potential, like an Andrade. But that's my opinion. Chris, are you excited to have him a part of AEW? I'm super excited.
0: I, I, you know, I made that prediction that he would be the one to maybe take the title, the AAA title, off of Kenny Omega, but I didn't even think about the fact he might actually get signed to AEW like that. That was just an afterthought to me. Um, so it's awesome to see him here and. You know, assuming you know they're building towards that match at Triple Mania, there's definitely going to be some interactions with him and Kenny. So obviously they think highly of the guy, and I see him as a main eventer personally. I think he was a little misused, well very misused, um, in WWE for a long time, at least on the main roster. But he was absolutely phenomenal in NXT, and shit, he might be one of the best people they have on their roster right now, as far as a guy that you could build build something around, or at least have someone that's going after Kenny because. We've talked about this in the past. I mean, the match that we just had was, what, Pack and Orange Cassidy as top contenders? Like, you have to look at Andrade and Hangman Page as, like, the next two guys to give Kenny a, a legitimate challenger, someone that you could actually believe is the main event star.
1: Yeah, because I think it's too soon, even for me, to pull Darby, even though I was really promoting that last time. I agree with you. It's Andrade, I guess, still Orange Cassidy, because that was brought up about the fact that he got fucked. Uh, at the pay-per-view twice. So it looks like right now, Kenny has Jungle Boy in a week or two, probably will beat Orange Cassidy in a week or two after that. And that's has got to be someone like an Adam Page or Andrade or someone uh, to take that title from him. Uh, Darby Allen maybe, like I said, but very excited to have Andrade a part of the, uh, the roster. And also another dream match. He has always been on the other side with CMLL, uh, with his good friends that he was in. With Los Cicorbonables, you know, when that team was him, Rush, uh, Dragon Lee, Naito, you know, uh, and I I don't remember if it's the first Mystico or it's now who is Mystico. But him, Dragon Lee, obviously, and um, Rush are all brothers. But you had the other side with AAA with their big guys, and Pentagon and Phoenix have always been over there. So I'd love to see him as a luchador that's been mostly heavily promoted before – WWE and NXT with CMLL have a match with you know one of the big AAA great workers with either Andrade or Andrade versus Pentagon or Andrade versus Phoenix. I'm very excited about those uh, matchups.
0: Yeah, I mean all of that is awesome, and now you just make me want Naito to show up. So we'll I guess we'll get into the Forbidden Door a little bit later, but <laughs> yeah, I mean I, I I dig all of that, man. That'd be great.
1: Forbidden doors and forbidden cores. No, I'm just kidding. Cores light, anyways. Let's keep on going. All right, so the last bidder or the last uh, bit of information from AEW last night Inner Circle and Pinnacle are not done. I don't know what the hell that means. I mean, we've already done the Stadium Stampede, that was a lot of fun, and we also already had the Blood and Guts aka War Games pay per view. So, uh, Chris Jericho made it be known he wants MJF. Uh, and this seems like now it's kind of individualizing between each person. Uh, Jake Hager wants to take on Wardlow in a cage, so much more UFC looking style thing. Uh, you know, we have uh, Pride and Powerful calling out. Uh, um, what you call it call FTR, and and I think Sammy wants to finish off Sam Spears. So we still got that. Like I said earlier, Britt Baker. She had a little celebration. Nyla wasn't having it, left, destroyed a bunch of balloons like a jerk. God. So it looks like Nyla Rose, Britt Baker. But they're both heels, so I don't know. if Britt's going to be kind of like this rockish-style person since everyone kind of is with her anyways. But they're going that direction. And Dustin won in a pretty good bull rope match. That was kind of a weird ending, uh, main event with Nick Camarado. But I like Nick Camarado. I think he's got a great look. I mean, look, if – some of the older guys are comparing you to Billy Jack Haynes and Hercules Hernandez and uh, Bruiser Brody. That's not a bad thing. So I think he's got a great look. It was it was a fine match. Dustin's still great. But uh, any closing thoughts about any of that stuff, especially Inner Circle Pinnacle related for AEW Dynamite last night?
0: I want the Inner Circle Pinnacle stuff to just be done. <laughs> Honestly, I thought they had. I thought they found a great way to end it um after the you know the end of the pay-per-view but i guess we're continuing down this road um i i don't know to me there's better stuff pride and powerful could be doing right now i mean i guess feuding with fdr is not the worst thing in the entire world it's just we've seen this it's been what four months now
1: yeah and didn't you say young bucks need some competition those are two of yeah. the best tag teams they have in <laughs> <And> a <laughs> permanent feud. <laughs> like, can you get these two,
0: these, this pair of these, these, this tag team pair away from each other because they're both so great. They should be chasing for the titles. Like, um, and they're going to have great matches. Like, it's not that, it's not that these guys or any of these guys are going to have bad matches with each other. It's just, we've seen it. <laughs> like I'm kind of over it at this point. Um, I like, you know, again, we'll get more into it after the pay-per-view, but that's just kind of my feeling on the Pinnacle and Inner Circle right now. It's not that I think any of this stuff will be bad, and there's some interesting stuff, interesting interesting matches that they have set up, but but it's, you know, I just, I want to see Pride and Powerful, you know, go after after the Young Bucks or start winning matches and and building their way up that tag ladder. The same thing with FTR um, specifically. And then do we really need another MJF Jericho match? That's the other thing, like... Maybe MJF just goes away for a while and then comes back and and he can start a new feud with someone else. Uh, It's just, you know... There's only so much Jericho and MJF are going to be able to do in the ring together because Jericho is limited at this point in his career and MJF works a very old-school style. So, I mean, that match is basically going to
1: be the same almost every time you watch it. I agree with you. I... I don't know. It's, uh, it's interesting. I, I think that from here we should go over Double or Nothing, Chris. I think that makes the most sense, uh, which was the big AEW pay-per-view uh, last weekend. Um, Memorial Day weekend. I got to sleep in on Monday, so I definitely paid the $50 and watched the event. Um, good pay-per-view, man, top to bottom. Uh, I had fun with every match, um, and uh, I really liked it. I guess it, it's kind of out of order since we just went over some of the stuff that happened outside of it, but hey, that's how it works. But let's talk about the results. AEW, Double or Nothing. Starting off with the first match, the pre-show match that I actually did check out. 15 minutes between Surya Deeb and Riho uh, for the NWA World Women's Championship. Surya Nadeeb acting a little bit heelish in here. Definitely having to Uh, Bring out the fact that Riho is such a great baby face, but um, kind of annoyed that she was getting uh, problems from her, if you will, but finally beat her uh, with her submission move. And uh, I thought this was a really good match to start off. And, you know, going into it, once we started on the actual main card, if you just started with the main card, that first match between Adam Page and uh, Brian Cage I thought was a great match to start off. So either way, you were good. But a good first match on the pre-show for the NWA Women's, uh, World Women's Championship between Deeb and Riho. What would you think, Chris?
0: So I was actually tied up Sunday night, so I didn't get to watch this until uh, Monday morning. So I watched this all Monday morning, and uh, I, I actually loved the buy-in match. Serena Deeb's it, 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 whoever she's in the match with, she makes it look good. Uh, not that Rio is a bad wrestler or anything, but I haven't seen her have a bad match. Is she
1: capable of having a bad match, Dane? No, and can you believe they sidelined her in WWE and just made her a trainer? Essentially, because I guess they were trying to say that she was too old? Give me a fucking break. Yeah,
0: well, they have a little bit of ageism with the women. Uh, Mickey James actually cut a really good interview. I don't know if you saw all that, where she was talking about how female wrestlers get aged out, basically, as opposed to male wrestlers, and how it's kind of insulting when you look at you know, the fact that they have, like, people there like AJ Styles, who's 38, or, you know, Randy Orton, who's uh, getting older, um, John Cena, who's getting older. Like, these guys that they have, you know, they're not necessarily young guys, um, and that's basically Mickey Mickie James went on about that and how they brought back so many of those male stars like Edge, etc., uh, but with female wrestlers they tend to do exactly what happened with Serena Deeb. They'll they'll make them a trainer or age them out or just basically force them to retire. And we've seen that we I mean the, the biggest the recent example would be Mickey James, but also kind of the way that they treat Natalia in most situations.
1: Oh yeah. Definitely agree with you. And Mickey, she was on Busted Open, she started crying at one part, and it was because Tommy Dreamer was just telling her how much of a fucking legend she is and how, you know, there's no reason for her to take anything from this. She can put so much more into the wrestling industry. And just, you know, it's it's upsetting that someone that has put that much effort and really dealt with, I mean, she loved the storyline with her and Trish. She enjoyed that. But having to wear a fucking skirt with small underwear on for a good portion of the beginning of her career and being, what, like a seven or eight-time women's champion, like, yeah, she got disrespected. And I can't wait to see what she does um, following her nothingness over in WWE for the last couple of years since she was in a program where she had a great uh, program with Asuka and put her over, but that was it.
0: Yeah. And that wasn't even on the main brand, right? That was in NXT. (laughs) So yeah, that's, I don't know. I can't believe it. It is disrespectful, especially for, you know, someone that is a – I don't know if she's – is she in the Hall of Fame? I can't remember. But if not, she should be in the Hall of Fame. I don't even know if she'd want to accept it at this point based on the way she was recently treated. But, uh, I mean, if not, I mean, she was a – to me, she's a fucking Hall of Famer and then they didn't necessarily treat her in the best light. She should have been helping build stars or having matches with, like, Charlotte and, and you know, big feuds to help elevate the, those people, not – What she ended up doing, which is just kind of being an afterthought in a bunch of different tag matches or three-way matches, etc.
1: Yep. but uh, yeah, great match, and I completely agree with you with Serena Deeb. She obviously proves, and she's going to continue to prove. You know, we'll talk about NWA uh, in a little bit, but um, whoever she goes against, between Camille or if she beats Camille and then Thunder Rosa, she's going to have a great match, and she's a great person to be your champion Especially for a company like NWA, I would say. Even though she is technically an AEW talent, I'm just glad she's around. She's putting on these great matches. And Riho also really shined in this match as well. Great baby face. She really is the Rey Mysterio towards the women's division uh, in this era. And if, if people try to like throw at me, well, Rey Mysterio, he was like yoked and shit. It's like we're talking about female comparisons. So females who are sized a bit smaller, obviously, biologically. Riho's... Much smaller than most females in her division, and she puts on a great baby face performance and always is able to stand up to that said person. You know, she has that same type of uh, gimmick uh, going on, basically, of being the underdog. And like I said, very Ray ish, if you will, but great match. And this I could, is the I could
0: definitely I, I could definitely see that comparison that you just made, and, and for people saying, you know, Ray was yoked and shit, like, uh, no, he wasn't. <laughs> Go back and watch not him in until WCW.
1: WWE, where they made him basically feel uncomfortable <laughs> until he put on a bunch of muscle. And, and yeah. fucking in and, and Nitro, he was not—he was a very small dude <laughs> uh,
0: until he started fucking just got super on the gas when he went to WWF. Very similar to Eddie Guerrero, which is not necessarily the best thing to do, uh, as we you know found out. Um, he was he was a very small guy, so I actually think that's a great comparison, Dane.
1: All right, well, let's get to the first match on the the actual card. Hangman Page going against Brian Cage. Thought this was an awesome match. Um, I thought these guys had pretty damn good chemistry. I was excited about it uh, with what happened uh, previously in the match with Joey Janela when Hangman was bleeding from the mouth and also from the head because of just a a brutal fight with Joey Janela. I think Joey actually might have gotten injured in that. I I remember reading something. Maybe I could be wrong about that, so don't hold my breath. Um, but him and Brian got face-to-face. They both had great promos back and forth. Uh, they had a good match. And I love that Brian Cage lost because he didn't want the help of, of Team Taz. And he told him to F off. He didn't want Ricky Starks. He didn't need Hook. He didn't need Taz. And Taz was mad about it, but it was literally the distraction of Brian Cage telling him to get the hell out of here that caused the distraction for him to get the buckshot lariat put on from Adam page to get the win. And now we have, I guess him f- kind of forced now into a tag team. It seems, um, you know, Taz has him with, uh, powerhouse Hobbs, uh, for a future match with Adam page and someone of his choosing. But I think it's only a matter of time, man. Brian cage is going to, is going to branch off, become a baby face. I think he's way better at being a babyface, Honestly, than a heel. And if you're not going to put him in a permanent tag team with Parasov's Hobbs, like we were suggesting and keep them as singles competitor. Um, I think that this is this the right, right route to go is this dissension and eventually him getting out of there, which I think will be sooner than later. But uh, how'd you like this match? And what do you think about Brian cage losing? And then the possibility of him leaving team Taz and doing his, his, uh, his own thing. And, Honestly, here's an even better question: Why wasn't the belt on the line for this? What was the point?
0: I don't. I I think maybe they're gonna put that belt on Powerhouse Hobbs. That would be my guess. You know, at the at the end of the day, and I, I agree with you, but he hasn't defended that belt once, so I wasn't. <laughs> I'm not necessarily surprised. I guess. I uh, I like the match. One thing I want to say about the entire pay-per-view. I'm not necessarily comfortable enough to do this yet, but seeing a live wrestling event with fans kind of elevates to every match now that we've been not, you know, like the crowd that they had, had there was super hot for this entire pay-per-view. I like this match a lot. I, uh, the finish was, you know, I don't necessarily like fucky finishes, but this one I think made sense just because it is the dissension getting cage away from Taz. And, and also you don't want Adam page to lose, but you don't want to make cage look weak. So from that standpoint, it made sense, right?
1: I think so. And I really like Brian cage. I think he has a lot of upside. I've been big on him for a, a very long time. As you will know, around the time that like Keith Lee and Jeff Cobb were making their rounds in the Indies. So is Brian cage and loved him in Lucha underground, I just think an and impact when he was a baby face, he's like Chris Benoit ate Bill Goldberg to me.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's, he's the real-life tooth for sure. Uh, so who do you think is going to be Adam Page's partner if they go that route? Is it just going to be John Silver? Is that what we're going to get?
1: No, because Johnny is uh, hes still injured. He even said that later on on an interview and gave a title match for the TNT title for uh, Evil Uno to go against Rusev, which is going to work out really well for Evil Uno. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know who he picks. Um it's it's interesting. Yeah,
0: yeah. I don't that that's gonna be further down the line though, right? When did they announce did they announce that match officially yet?
1: The tag match? I think last I think last night it was uh, thrown out by Taz saying we got our best competitors, Brian Cage swords, <laughs> in the tab team. You bring whoever you gotta bring, Adam. It was something on those. Oh, ones. okay. I can yeah. look it up real quick if you want.
0: No, that's fine. That, that if they if he did it on that show, I'm assuming it's gonna be next week or whatever.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh,
0: I don't know, man. Evil Uno got a huge pop, so maybe he just maybe you just do Hangman and Evil Uno.
1: I think I should talk about that right now, it, it, so I don't forget. Dark Order is over. Uh, Darby Allen and Sting over as hell, obviously. And I really actually think that Darby is – like, the kids love him, man. Um, Inner Circle, obviously, uh, Jungle Boy. Uh, Also in that Battle Royal, uh, Brian Pillman, I said it earlier, man. People were really wanting him to do some stuff within that match. They were cheering for him. Just I think that this – If 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 I'm Tony Khan or I'm one of the executives, Cody, Kenny, the Bucks, or Jericho, who has a lot of influence, I think they're all paying attention to the audience response. Adam Page, for all that everyone said about like he is, and I kind of feel that way still, you know, not as as big as he once was. He was over like Rover, man. People wanted him to win, and then there was two people. I'll just put this out there right now that. Even though they both got adulation, they definitely got cheered, there were some boos, and I would turn them heel. And that is Cody, and that is Christian. And I know that that's not going to be what a lot of people want to hear, but I'm just really being honest with you. I think that both of them really should maybe try the heel route, honestly, especially Christian, because he got some boos. Um, and I think Christian's a fucking great heel. He's like a Jeff Jarrett heel. You really don't like him because he's so fucking pompous and shit. So that's what that when, – when it came to crowd interaction, I really heard a large response towards some of those names I said. Maybe I forgot some – oh, Britt Baker, another one, hugely over by the audience. But did you also notice that too? And who did you notice was getting uh, a lot of attention in either a heel way or a, or a babyface way, Chris?
0: Yeah, Burr Baker is, is really over with the crowd. That's one that, you know, she's supposed to be a heel, but obviously is not. And the, the crowd is kind of weird. I mean, it almost has like a little bit of the ECW kind of feel. And uh, as far as them booing Christian, I mean, that's just some of those diehard, to me, it, and I could be wrong, it seems like a, those diehard AEW fans just being like, that's a fucking WWE guy. You know, like, uh, that was weird to me that they're booing Christian. But I agree with you. I think he works better as a heel. Uh, I mean, the Evil Uno thing was the most surprising. Like, the <laughs> just because the pop was so damn loud. I did not expect that for you Evil He did get Uno.
1: a big pop. Um, Johnny Hunky would have got a bigger pop, though, but he wasn't on, the, obviously, the uh, pay-per-view. But, yeah, they're, they're just over, man. I, I, I really think, even though, to me, and no offense to Evil Uno, I think him and Stu Grayson would be great tag team champions, but the two singles guys, and I think I've talked to you about this, and maybe you agree, John Silver... Preston Vance aka 10 they have the most upside to them as far as singles opportunities outside of the the dark order.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you 100% on that. Um, the other the other surprise was just the fans actually booing Miro and him being able to get them to boo him after <laughs> those promos he's been cutting because the promos are like so damn good. He I was afraid great. I was afraid that the crowd was going to turn on Lance Archer, who was supposed to be the baby face in the scenario, but they were able to make it work, man. That was also a surprise.
1: Yeah, just good stuff all around. All right, so the next match, Young Bucks, Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson with Brandon Cutler doing some uh, nice production work. Going against John Moxley and Eddie Kingston for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. Didn't like the ending. I think Kota Ibushi and Kenny Omega do that finisher a hell of a lot more effective and looking better than the Bucks do. I'm just going to be honest with you. The two V triggers to both sides of the head on each side. I forgot what exactly it's called, but that's what it is. Um, So that being the thing that takes out Moxley of them doing it four times in a row. All right, I guess, but I did like the match. I love the energy. I thought that the audience was great. Moxley and Kingston are definitely over Eddie Kingston, is over, man. He really is. Um, and I thought that – I thought it was a good match, but it was kind of one of those times where I'm realizing, like you were saying, Bucks are getting on my damn nerves. And I expected them to win. I'm pretty sure I picked the Bucks to win, but I really thought there was a chance. But like I keep on saying, he's got the U.S. title from, from New Japan, and he's an active wrestler on AEW, and he's got a friggin' uh, number one contender match with Nick Gage at Game Changer Wrestling – but his wife is literally about to have a baby. So there has to be some type of time off uh, for, you know, dealing with that. I don't know. It seems like they're taking him off TV for a minute, and that would make sense. But I um, thought it was a good match. Like I said, I just 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 do – I don't know if they're not doing the Meltzer. I know they did it to the outside, but the Meltzer driver as a finisher, it just looks more effective. I, I feel like they're not doing that because like, that would be the baby face thing to do, I guess. But I don't know. Uh, maybe that's just me. Still thought it was a good match. And Bucks win. What do you think, Chris?
0: Can the Young Bucks like just come out and say that they have Rick uh, Knox in their pocket as a ref? Because he just Please. lets them do whatever the fuck. Like, Just give me some reason why you're allowed to just do whatever the hell you want as a tag team. Um, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> like, I'm so glad you said that. Uh, like That was the biggest annoyance in the match. The entire last fucking half of the match both members of the Young Bucks were in the ring the entire time which is fine if you explain it to me that the Young Bucks are paying off Knox right and they always make sure they have him as a referee um, there's a lot of stuff you could do with that storyline and make it interesting not necessarily I don't necessarily like referees being involved in storylines but if you're just going to fucking continuously do this tell me why you know yeah. or explain that this referee is an idiot <laughs> somehow uh, but you know that aside this is, this is a great match man it's what I expected it to be you know I think I wanted the, the you know I we both picked the bucks to win, but I thought that there would be a moment where Nick Gage would come out and save Moxley only to you know fucking drop him because they just because they have that match built up and there's all that backstory and, and Aew had tried to sign Nick Gage before so I had made that prediction but obviously that didn't happen. Um, I think they're playing around with the fact that the young bucks can cuss. Moxley so he's going to be off TV for for a while I guess a few weeks at least. Uh but like you said man the guy the guy's workload is fucking crazy right now and uh Renee is is definitely about to pop so I don't know man I, we've talked about this in, in in the past with with Moxley. I don't I, like he's just going to show up after a match to see his kid be delivered I guess. The schedule's
1: nuts. <laughs> That's really what it seems like it's coming down to. is like, he's going to be like, I'll be at the do- at the hospital in like two hours, babe. And he's going to get the GCW, the Game Changer Wrestling Championship, and bring it to the hospital or some shit. All bloody. He can get... Yeah, he Look can get the in the ER. while, uh... They'll be like, holy <laughs> shit, man. Like, we need to get you in a gurney. No, no, I'm fine, man. I'm just bleeding out. It's all right. All right. <laughs>
0: All joking aside, man, this is a really good match. And like you said, Kingston is super over. And and uh, the only thing is, like, what does this mean for Eddie Kingston? Like, are the Young Bucks just going to continually whip his ass until someone shows up that can help him? Or do or you think they're just done right now? Is
1: that past? why he's... Well, no, it seems like he's befriending or trying to get Pentagon and Pac and Phoenix to be cool with him again, since now I guess they at least took off Moxley last night. So he helped them out and then Pop told him to f off basically, but you know maybe he's still trying to have someone in his corner and he's definitely not done with the bucks. Kingston definitely has that quality man and we've, we've called it out I think Kevin Owens does. It's, it's something about one of those guys is a little bit bigger, you know and I'm a bigger guy so I, I, I can I, I can talk about bigger guys too. There's no there's no reason for anger <laughs> all right. But, you know, like McFully and Dusty and certain other guys have, I think Kingston has that, I can't believe I'm saying this, lovability to him, almost.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's the that's the everyman, right? It's not the super jacked superhero. It's, it's what you would see yourself as a wrestler kind of thing. Same thing with, like, Kevin, like you said, Kevin Owens, Dusty Rhodes. Like, that plays into why people like them so much. So I, I don't, you know, that's... It's a good point, but, uh, I, 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 you know, and then that's the same thing with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Some of the believability about his character, like, you fucking hate your job. You fucking hate your boss. <laughs> like, when you can build that kind of relationship with the fans and there's something that you can relate to, Um, like, for instance, with Kingston, when he cuts promos, talking about how poor he was and stuff, like, a lot of people relate to that shit, and and there's something great about that. It was the same thing with Dusty, like, Dusty was the same way, so it's really great to see a a wrestler be able to do that and make that connection on a a different level.
1: He's he's kind of, because of the fact that he kind of, you know, can connect with many different people, like Dusty, for many different reasons, like, he's got, like, a, a, a northerner Dusty vibe to him, you know? Like, It's a very weird concept. It's almost like Taz meets Dusty, but like more positioned as a babyface. But he's a tough guy.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you. I I think you know that's a that's a good call out. Like a Taz, if Taz, (laughs) if Taz, uh, if Taz met Dusty, that would you you probably would get an Eddie Kingston. That's that's a good way to put it.
1: All right, let's continue down this. All right, so we had the Casino Battle Royal. Let's go over to contestants for this. Um, I, don't, I don't understand. I, I don't remember if they brought it up in commentary or if it was someone complaining about the, the concept of this match, how it's confusing. I think it was maybe someone else that was covering it afterwards. How the fuck is it confusing? It's, it's literally you have five people come out, five people come out, five people come out, five people come out, one person comes out. It's a fucking deck of cards, people. I, I don't understand how that's hard for people to understand, but I definitely saw that. But, uh, all right, so it started off with the clubs. Christian, Matt Seidel, Powerhouse Hobbs, Dustin Rhodes, Max Caster. Another person, man, Max Caster. And I think they definitely tested this out with him with getting the audience into it, which he's never done before. But they loved him. And I liked how he didn't he, he didn't say anything as, as bad as what he said recently to Moxley, but that, that line to Christian about how, like, Yo, man, you're just old guy that ha- doesn't have an edge anymore, or something like that. And Christian, they go to him, and Christian like looks, someone's like, I don't get it, I don't understand it. Like it was, it was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> there's something about that guy, man. It's not the John Cena rap thing. There's nothing John Cena esque besides that about him. But he's got a, he's got to get a little bit tighter, I think, in the ring. But he's younger. But I think that he's got a lot of upside, and he's got a lot of confidence, and he's good on the mic especially with that style gimmick. Uh, but, yeah, what do you think about Max Caster, Chris?
0: I, I wasn't a huge fan at first, and I, I think mostly it was w- when they were doing the tag team, because I don't necessarily see anything in his partner. <laughs> I'd hate to be that guy, but uh, he's just not that good in the dude, ring, and he doesn't really dude.
1: have a personality. He gets overshadowed. Do you think that Anthony Bowens and... Uh, what the hell's his name? Um... Griff Garrison, Anthony Bowens, do you think they were like, ah, shit, because I swear (laughs) to God, Max Caster, and like I said, Brian Pillman Jr. were very, very over from the audience. Yeah, and I
0: mean, you could see the personalities that were, the crowd were super behind being, you know, Max Caster was one of them, Um, and, and, uh, you know, I would say Jungle Boy when he came out. Like, everyone was fully behind him as soon as that fucking music hit. So, yeah, it was it's it was an interesting battle royal. Also, like, if people can't understand this, they should never watch that
1: Cesaro-Sheamus-Hardy's
0: uh, cage match. Do you remember the fucking rules on that?
1: <laughs> Jesus. I'm still trying to figure it out. It's been years. Yeah, so, all right, they were followed by the Diamonds... Isaiah Cassidy, who came out with Matt Hardy. I guess Mark Quinn and Isaiah Cassidy are wearing uh, button-ups and stuff. That seems like the most uncomfortable thing to wear with wrestling, but whatever. Preston Vance, who also got a little bit of a pop. Nick Camarado, Serpentico, who came in because QT Marshall had some type of injury that was nagging. So he stayed on the battle royal and uh, basically – uh, what the hell is that weird-looking guy that's friends with Chris Jericho that's old as hell – Pentagon's partner, this is how much I give a shit about. Oh, uh, legend. Yes, Luther. Part Luther. out Serpentico and threw him in the damn match. And then Hearts would come out, uh, both the Hollywood Blondes, uh, Brian Pillman Jr., Griff Garrison, followed by Cole Cabana, Anthony Bowens, and one of my favorites in this, Pentagon, Penta El Zero Miado, uh, with the Joker costume. Another guy, it was like between him, Jungle Boy, and Christian in my head. And I still had Pillman in there because of the reaction also as top guys to win this. And uh, last spades, Jungle Boy, Mark Quinn, Anthony Solo, or Aaron Solo, I should say, Evil Uno, and Lee Johnson. Uh, it came – well, and then we had the Joker, Leo Rush, which I know a lot of people were like, oh, he's not that big of a name. I think Leo Rush, personally to me, is a great accusation. They never really made it look like he was going to be this giant name. Uh, You know, he was just a newer wrestler. He just signed a contract. He finished up MLW with New Japan. So he's going to be working, apparently, with AEW a lot. And Leo Rush is the same age as a lot of those guys that we think have so much potential. You know, your Sammy Guevara's, your MJF's, uh, your Adam Page, your uh, Jungle Boy, uh, your Darby Allens. He's the same age as all of those guys. So he's a great in-ring worker, great on the mic. I think he's gotten tossed around a little bit. Apparently him and Mark Henry worked their shit out afterwards. Uh, that he did or so good. I don't really care. Just bullshit behind the thing. But um, you know, I didn't think he was that. I, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I was actually like, cool about it. But I knew that people got a little bit aggravated. But yeah, man, when it came down to it, it was Jungle Boy, um, Matt Hardy, Mark Quinn, and also uh, Christian, and. You know they got rid of Mark Quinn, they got rid of Matt Hardy. It was Christian and Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy won, and the people went as Pat Patterson would say, banana. What do you think about the uh, the the winner being Jungle Boy? Some of the guys that really, like you said, Evil Uno really stood out to the audience. Brian Pillman Jr. You know, uh, there's certain guys that definitely got a lot of love. I love Pentagon in this. I kind of wanted him to win towards the end when he came out with that Joker costume. And did Leo Rush, did that put a bad taste in your mouth at all for being the uh, Joker, if you will?
0: No, I mean, I think that uh, us as fans, sometimes we overthink these things way too much. Like, my prediction was it was gonna. I think my prediction was Andrade, right?
1: Yours was Andrade. Mine was Nick Gage. Yep.
0: And then we got Andrade. Right, like the very next week. So, like I just thought that they would have Andrade win the title here or win this match so that they could set up a title match with him and Kenny, and then the rematch at Triple Mania, however they wanted to do that. Um, but I have no problem with Jungle Boy winning it, and I actually love the finish of this match, where he slides around the post and then comes back in and he gives Christian a back body drop out of the ring, which was pretty great seeing Christian's old ass take a back body drop to the floor. Um, there's a lot of great stuff in this match, some really cool spots. And uh, like you said, Leo Rush has got a lot a, a lot going for him, and I think he's a pretty good wrestler in the ring. We've seen good stuff from him when he was in NXT. Um, well, he was like fired and then resigned at one point. So I, I want to see someone give this guy a real shot, see see what he can do, because it seems like he's had his legs cut out cut out from under him a couple times, and it'd be good to just see like a redemption story with this guy. So it, it was cool. It was it wasn't the surprise I was thinking it was going to be, but it didn't like didn't ruin the match for me or anything. And then also it's a battle royal, like how fucking excited can you really get to begin with.
1: So the real Joker in the match, not Leo Rush, even though he came out as a Joker, uh, or the Joker card, if you will, was Pentagon. When the fuck are they going to put Pentagon main title picture? Because I think he's definitely someone, eventually, that should get that damn world title. I'm going to say it. Pentagon in the next couple of years should be world champion AEW. Period. One of their best wrestlers, sports entertainers, whatever you want to fucking call.
0: Them. Yeah, I mean I can't I can't disagree with that.
1: Maybe he doesn't want to.
0: <laughs> maybe that's why. Maybe he's like, nah, I'm a good, fam.
1: <laughs> uh, I love Petra, oh, man.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I mean he's he's just he's just there's something just charismatic about everything he does in the ring, man. Even, you know, I've loved what they've done giving him kind of like a uh, a manager almost. I can't think of the guy's name. Like, there's ways to get around some of the some of the things that might keep you from putting a title on him. And I think they've addressed a lot of it by him just having a manager. And letting him cut promos and then letting the guy, like, reiterate what he said is kind of fucking great. And, and like, the Joker thing was really cool. He always comes up with something different that makes you just interested in the character. Um, it's, it's like kind of like the Muda vibe, you know? There's something yep. about a guy that looks as cool as he does that you just want to see be successful. Um But yeah, I mean you could I mean he's also fucking great in the ring, so him and Kenny could have bangers and matches. Like anyone you put him in the ring against he can have a good match with. It's just uh do you wanna do it, I guess, more than anything else. Right now they wanna they wanna have match they wanna have Kenny have a bunch of opponents that you know he's gonna beat.
1: I guess. Yep. We'll have to wait for that. I think I, I told you that my new random, very random uh, dream match would be him and uh, Macho Man Randy Savage. I just want to see that pose down before the match. Man, Randy doing all his weird things, and then Pentagon doing the you know Seattle mirror bullshit, going back and forth. I think they would uh they would have a excellent match. A lot of uh a lot of similar <laughs> energy of, of being able to. Pentagon can get the crowd behind him, even if he's a heel. He can just he just commands that type of concept while being also a great in-ring performer. If we understood him, I'm sure he's a great promo because when he does stuff in English, he does it well. And also him with that translator like yourself is like the perfect package. Like I really wish that they built with him and Cody this whole entire time and they were actually the match instead of what the one we're about to go over. Uh, Because that was a great setup, and I don't know why they fucking just ended it a week later. Kind of dumb.
0: Yeah, I mean, they just, I guess they wanted to do this whole fucking QT Marshall thing for Dustin to have something to do. But I I don't know that anyone's invested in this. And in fact, it kind of hurt Cody's stock because of that fucking promo he cut. Uh, (laughs) Oh, man. And then, like, backpedaling on it online, like, talking about focus groups and then not not focus groups, but voice messaging people and like <laughs> doubling down on the fact that people liked it. Like, come on, Cody. You're better than that, dude. Just just let it go. You had a bad promo. It's all right.
1: Alright, I'm I'm just gonna say this since we're going into it. Cody Rhodes, Anthony of Go Go. Anthony's green. There was two obvious spots that he obviously fucked up that, you know, he got through it, but He's got a good-looking punch. He's good on the mic. Don't have a problem with it when it comes to that. I thought him and Cody had a pretty damn decent match. as one of his coaches, so they should. Uh, to me, this, like I said, this should have been a built-up rivalry with Cody against Pentagon. He used the only time he said he was going to use the moniker, the American Dream, for this fucking match. And honestly, if you want to do something for Anthony at GoGo, if you, if you want to, like, go – as the guy that a lot of people call you out as, basically the Triple H in an insulting way, the 2000 Triple H of AEW, then go out and beat one of your newest recruits that you've been training in the ring at the pay-per-view and just go back to obscurity, you know, like you keep on doing. Cody, you're one of the best babyfaces. You're one of the most over-wrestlers. He was definitely booed at certain points, and I don't think it's because... It's because people just – I don't know. There's something to me. I think that Cody should do a heel turn. I think he should be a hell of a lot more active as part of the week-to-week. He's someone that comes in sparingly, and I don't know why. And I don't think this match necessarily helped out Anthony as much as it should have. And part of that is because he lost. Um, It was fine, but, you know, to use your dad's moniker of the American Dream for this match, it was kind of a waste, kind of a bust. And probably the weakest match on the card, if I'm to be honest.
0: Yeah, and also, like, what the hell feud do we have with the UK right now? Why is this a fucking thing? (laughs) Like, why wouldn't you save this uh, to go against Miro, who's Bulgarian or something? I don't know. It's just an old trope, too. Like, the whole thing was just bad. I mean, the match itself was all right. But this entire feud, like, I don't give a shit about your wrestling school. And I don't care about it on the wrestling product that's on TV. I mean, not to be a dick, but I don't like I don't, you know, it's fine if you wanted to do the one off match with Dustin and QT, like I said, if you wanted to do that little feud, but I don't need two separate groups of your own school fighting each other. Like you're their coach, just tell them like, hey, if you don't want to be here, don't be here. It's the easiest way to end the storyline.
1: I agree with you. I have an idea. It's a booking idea. Probably not going to happen. But are you interested in hearing it of what to do with Cody going forward? Sure. It doesn't matter if you. No, I'm just kidding. Thank (laughs) you. Appreciate you being like that. All right. So I don't know. We get a justice. It's going to be somewhere in the future, probably towards the end of the summer. So in my mind, Pinnacle beats in whatever way, whether it's all singles matches, they win the feud between them. And the inner circle, and they move on until he brings up a good person that he hasn't thought about, you know, uh, getting involved with uh, someone that you know they used to deal with in the in the, in the uh, they can't call it the Horsemen, but back in the day, and that's Sting. And then uh, to start a fight uh, between Darby Allen mainly and MJF, they beat the living hell out of Darby Allen. They beat the living hell out of Sting. Sting's bloody. Darby's bloodied. It's all members of the Pinnacle in the ring destroying something. Maybe throughout the course of this you can do the MJF-Wardlow thing and kind of get Wardlow out of it. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's not a thing that you do. But if you have all five of them, they just decimate Sting and Darby Allen. And what happens during that on Dynamite? Cody's music hits. Cody comes out, comes with the ring, and he runs to the ring, and then he smiles at MJF Takes a chair and bashes the living shit out of his old idol Sting, and his, and the the new impromptu biggest guy in the business Darby Allen, and the next week when they explain this, this has all been a ruse. You know, we're going to talk about this stuff with the NWA, but it was very very Billy Corgan made this very detailed and clear that there's unfinished business with Cody and Nick Aldis in the future for the NWA title. So how could MJF and him be friends still? Well, you know, it was actually, was all just in the plans. Stuff worked its way out. You know, technically MJF threw the towel, so he didn't lose. But if they really wanted to go and fight that with Tony, they can. But he has an idea of who he wants to take out, and that's Nick Aldis. He's going to let MJF. You know, they already talked about this. They already worked their stuff out. MJF, go for the main title and take that. And during this, you build up Cody versus Sting for Possibility in the Future. Also, Cody versus Nick Aldis for the NWA title. Um, and I would actually sacrifice. First night, Cody's behind everyone. And he says, oh, Sean, I, I, I still, have, still have something I need, I, I need to tell you. And he's behind him, grabs a chair, says, so, you know, you're – you're the, the, the chairman, right? And Sean gets up, looks right behind him, smash right on head. Goodbye, Sean Spears. It is now Cody who's going to be going for the NWA championship and going to take out Nick Aldis and claim the whole company for himself with MJF going for the AEW championship and FTR trying to get those tag titles back. And that has been at the root from the beginning what was supposed to end up happening. With that whole entire thing, Arn Anderson comes out, Tully Blanchard, they're plotting, and this has been going on since the beginning, and Cody will become the biggest heel in the company, just like that. That's what I think should fucking happen with Cody Rhodes after this. Or he can just go and do boardroom meetings and New USA, or I mean TNT shows, and fucking never come on TV and do this whole thing, because that's really working out really well for him. Really well. What do you think? (laughs)
0: I mean, I think any 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 bit of that. I think every bit of that scenario would definitely work and definitely make him a heel. Um, I mean, he could he could also just do something simple like refuse to let go of a figure four on Jungle Boy, <laughs> cause Jungle Boy's so over. Like he breaks Jungle Boy's leg and then he's a heel. You could also do That's something, a good point. something like that. Simple, um, fly. Nope. But yeah, like uh, I, I did, I, and all you know. it's... Your booking scenario, I think, is really great. I just don't know that they're ever going to get away from the pinnacle, man.
1: <laughs> oh, you mean the inner circle? Yeah, the, the inner circle.
0: Yeah, the inner circle. It's just going to go on forever.
1: Can we get that to fucking just be done? I mean, it really just will free up and help out things. All right, well, let's continue. We'll uh, continue down this. Another great match, man. Miro, Lance Archer with Jake Roberts. Um, I mean, this was less than 10 minutes for the AWTNT Championship. I thought these two guys beat the living hell out of each other. I thought Miro looked great. I love, like you said, audience was with them. He was able to make them go against them and get back with them towards the end of the match. Completely controlled the crowd. I thought Lance looked great. I'm going to say something, and I'm a big fan of Jim Cornette and certain other people that do you know, analysis and everything for these things. Uh, I don't know why the fuck people are still bitching about Lance Reddick doing that across the ropes into a moonsault, uh, you know, scorpion de- death drop that he does. Uh, Undertaker did the same fucking thing towards the beginning of matches, a lot of times, with the person all the fucking time. No one cared about it. Uh, you know, and who he got it from, Dom Jardine, as a spoiler, did the same fucking thing, but whatever. But I think Lance did great. I think Miro did great. Um, I thought Miro was going to win. He did. I still think that Jake Roberts should take his expertise of, uh, you know, um, managing and and coaching someone to someone else. Uh, I don't think Lance needs him. I think Lance is a baby face. He wants to be basically American badass, Undertaker-esque-ish, kind of like a little bit of Psycho Sid thrown in there. And that's great, but I think that we need to get the sinister one with someone else a little bit sinister, in my opinion. But uh, I thought it was a damn good match, and Mira won.
0: Yeah, and, and I like the finisher too, like the the fact that this match ended with basically Lance Archer being knocked unconscious out of pain, um, and, and Mira like adding the knees to his back as he was pulling like pulling up on him. Uh, this version of Miro was great. This is what we wanted to begin with, but I'm happy it's happening now. So, this was a was a really good match. And also, I I don't understand why people bitch about that spot either. If you're gonna, there's a thousand other spots on the show that you could bitch about.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, next match: Britt Baker, DMD with Rebel, not Reba. Going against Sekiro Shida, the AEW Women's World Champion. Um, This was a great match. Went on 17 minutes. There was some sloppy spots. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I definitely saw some stuff that was a little off. But I thought these ladies really brought it. I thought they, you know, just beat the living hell out of each other in the ring. Um, And I thought the right person won. I think that this is the era of DMD. I think that Britt Baker... Since she is over, she should keep the cockiness. I would do what Sasha kind of did later, but like The Rock, I would I would literally just be this cocky person that's that's arrogant but knows she's that good. And if the audience wants to cheer for her, great, but I would not go too babyface with it. But Kershida, she got her cha- She has the old championship belt. She held it the longest out of any superstar period. Out of any of the champions for AEW. That's awesome. I think towards the end, she got herself the most over, uh, at least with me, um, having these matches and also the match with Britt Baker uh, itself. And um, I thought this was good. I thought this was really good. Uh, I thought this was a good match. But Baker wins. And she deserves it. Am I uh, wrong for thinking that? Like, you deserve it. Clap, 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 clap. Should I do that?
0: I, yeah, I, I mean, she's definitely earned earned it, <laughs> for sure. Uh, I thought this was a great match. I, I love the finish of this, where you think... They, they tricked me on this one, because I was like, oh man, they're going to keep it on Cheetah, because Rebel accidentally hits Brit with a crutch. And you're like, oh, okay, fuck. I thought that was the end of it, but no, she fought back. Fought back, and Baker kicked out. and um, It kind of proved that Baker doesn't need Rebel to win, really. I think in this match, so maybe they'll be splitting that up soon, which is fine with me. And uh, locked all for the submission victory and the title, and the place went absolutely fucking bonkers. Which I don't. I she's supposed to be a heel, but I don't think the crowd's gonna let that happen anymore.
1: And like in the past, for Baker, uh, well, actually, one thing that some people had a problem with, I thought it was great, just because of their relationship. I love Tony Schiavone. I love real moments in wrestling. Uh, something that you know is real, and I thought that Britt reacted great to it. She didn't put too much into it, but I love that Tony, you know, we've known, even though Britt's a heel, she has a relationship with Tony. It's basically her just making fun of him the whole entire time, but when she hugged him, did that bother you at all, Chris? Because I actually love that moment. I thought that was great.
0: No, because I don't think that she's a heel anymore. <laughs> like, I don't. I don't you know point. what I mean? Like after she wins that match, is she? Can you make her a heel? Like who are, you gonna, who are you gonna? Who's gonna be the baby face for her to go against? You know she's gonna get cheered regardless. I mean at this point she is just a baby face. Like whatever. I don't care about her hugging Tony Schiavone. They built that into the storyline. She like she's likes to pick on Tony and they have like a weird flirty relationship. It's not that it wasn't that fucking big of a deal to me. I mean what was a bigger deal is after she had that match where she was like bleeding and then in the back like her. You know, that kind of stuff is more annoying than, than this. You know, they had that all-out brawl where she gets busted open, and then in the back they're just, like, hanging out. That stuff is more annoying than, like, her giving Tony Schiavone a hug after winning the title. She was elated. Maybe she was in the best mood of her entire life. She did just win the a, a major title, you know? So, no, I think people just fucking overreact to everything nowadays.
1: Of course, I completely agree with you. And, uh... She also called out, she wants to, uh, you know, whether it be Serena Deeb, whether it be her beaten by Camille or maybe even Thunder Rosa, um, she wants some champion on champion. And also, she called out her best friend, Deanna Perrazzo, over at Impact. Uh, she wants to be considered the best women's champion. I love Britt Baker. I think she's fucking awesome. And uh, like you said, I, I agree with you. I love the stuff with her and Tony, and I thought it was a good ending and nice little, also a nice little ribbon on the... I love that Kushida, she, she got a great response. She was finally able to defend the title in front of fans. It sucks that she had to, you know, lose a match, but I thought that she did a really good job, and her stock's very high within that company in the women's division. She's important, I would say, towards that division.
0: Yeah, and you have to assume that she's getting a rematch, right? She did have the title for over a year. So um, there's a lot of interesting things they can do in that women's division. I guess we'll see see going forward. But, I, I mean, I, I don't – you know, the Brit's going to retain that thing for a while. What I don't – I know that they want to do this – the interpromotional matches. I don't need to see multiple people with multiple belts from multiple – you know what I mean? Like, it's kind
1: of – you don't want the same trope on the same show. Um, but I, I would – like the way matches. she presented it. She said she just wants to be considered the best champion, just not do champion for championship, but, like, champion against champion.
0: Yeah, if we're just talking about a straight non-title match, I'm down with any of
1: those matchups that she talked about. All right. Next we had probably it might be my favorite match of the night. I mean, I love the main or I love the two main events, but Darby Allen, Sting, going against the men of the year, Ethan Page, and Scorpio Sky. Did Sting still have it? Did Sting, who is, I believe, 60, 62 years old, if I'm correct, still have it? And my answer is yes. Um, He did way more in this match than I saw him do. I thought, look, even though the injury sucks, the buckle bump, his match with Seth Rollins is really fucking good. Uh, And the fact that Sting at that time, which was, what, five years ago? Six years ago? Seven? Long time. Uh, was willing to go through announce tables and do some of the spots that he did during that match was awesome. But now we go to the fact that he has spinal stenosis. He's been cleared by doctors by doing whatever he did to rehabilitate his back and neck. Um, surgery, stem cell, I don't know exactly. But he's been cleared for this company. And um, I thought that they both had a great match. I mean, Darby Allen, like I said, is over. He is very much beloved. You saw they showed flash of kids with the same face paint. I loved his face paint being like a little bit of the devil. So it's got like a little bit of his own flair, but it's still Sting set up with the crow makeup. I thought that was a nice little touch. I thought Ethan Page was a fucking douchebag in this, which was great. I love that part where he fucking gorilla press slammed him into the audience where his brothers were. I thought that was awesome. Sting, at the beginning with him and Scorpio Sky, he takes a friggin' suplex onto the outside on the floor, gets right the fuck back up, does his Tarzan call. Scorpio Sky even does the whole, like, oh, shit, he's right behind me, talking to Ethan, who's, you know, on the ground while he's on top of the ramp. Turns around, Sting grabs his ass, punches him, throws him into his partner, and when they get up, he did a fucking crossbody to the outside on the floor against both guys uh, I love how it started off, too, with Darby just, like, he hates Ethan Page. Like, we've, they, they can't go into their their feud and evolve. They can only go into details, but obviously WWE owns that now. But they don't like each other. And right at the beginning, Darby did one of his awesome suicide dives that looks like it kills a person and took out Ethan Page right away while Scorpio Sky, who I'm so happy got to work with one of his idols and have a fucking great match. I thought this was so much fun. I love the code red, even though he used the corner to get himself positioned for it. That sting attempted, it was awesome, and uh, yeah, they they won. They sting got the uh, had an awesome interaction where it looked like Scorpio was going to go in for a springboard DDT. Uh, he got reversed and then went directly into the Scorpion Death Drop. One, two, three, while Darby took out Ethan Page on the outside. I thought it was a lot of fun. I don't want to see Sting too in too many matches, whatever he wants to do, but I'm just saying, even if you were to say, all right, that's it, I'm just going to be a manager and help out and blah, 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 that was a great match. That was a lot of fucking fun. So uh, I don't know if it helps out Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky necessarily, Chris. I mean, I, it, to me, this is one of the situations where you lost, but you actually won because the match was so good. They're the ones that were going back and forth with them and – I mean, it's Sting and Darby Allin, one of the most over guys in your company and one of the biggest legends you have on the roster. So, all in all, I don't know. It's either this one or the next match, but I really love this match. Did you hate it so we can fight?
0: No, I love this match. I mean, anyone that's a Sting fan had to love this match. It was just so good seeing him. Put in all that work to get back into the, the kind of shape he is in for this match, and it, it was fucking great. It was everything I wanted it to be. They, hey, Dane, you know what they did in this match? They followed fucking tag rules. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Which made the hot tag so important after fucking Darby hits that stunner and Sting just comes in. Uh, off the hot tag, that was just such a great moment. The fucking crowd explodes. Um, you covered all of the great spots. Audrey Edwards did great as a ref in this match in comparison to the other tag team match we talked about earlier. knock um, sucks. <laughs> <laughs> this was my favorite match uh, of the night, and it's mostly because I'm a huge Sting mark, but I also think it was a very, very good match, and it was more than I actually expected it to be. And um, like you said, I don't think we need Sting in the ring every week. But he has proven, you know, if you give him enough time to prep for the match, give him enough time to get his body ready and stuff, I think that he could have a match with someone like a Cody or um, whatever you wanted to do. Like if you want to break up him and Darby, maybe maybe him and Darby can have that match um, teacher versus mentor or uh, teacher versus student kind of thing. If you want to do that down the road, I think there's still a lot of interesting things to do with Sting. Um any proof that he can still go here. I think I think that te- the power bomb he took uh, was like the test if he if he felt like he could go, <laughs> and then he and then he just full sent it afterwards. <laughs> I don't
1: God, know thank God me. Brian Cage has so much muscles in him. I'm sure that like it looks devastating, but if you watch that power bomb, he like gently put him down like a fucking pillow. Just he had to <laughs> basically hold him with all of his strength until he got down to the floor. So. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think that was a testing point for Sting to be like, can I take a bump? No, I just do the power bomb. Fuck it. <laughs> um,
0: now, like while I said this was my favorite match, I did, I'm not saying that it was the best in rings match of all time or anything. It was just my favorite match on the show because much like you, huge Sting work. So, uh, I mean, that is what it is. The main event was also really really great.
1: All right, well, let's get to the first main event. 27-minute uh, long match with Kenny Omega, Orange Cassidy, and Pac for the AW World Championship. We kind of were, we, you know, we, we went over some of this. Like, Orange Cassidy, whether hook or by crook, you know, even if he took advantage of the situation and threw Pac out, he almost had, a two, he, he had two pin attempts that were both interrupted, one of them literally by Don Callis, dragging his ass outside. Um, there was a lot of interference. I mean... You got the, the, the good brothers, uh, but I thought that all three guys did a great job. But this was mainly, I mean, I'm not trying to downgrade Orange Cassidy, but the meat of it was Pac and Kenny fighting a very competitive match and Orange Cassidy coming in there and kind of getting involved in certain spots and then holding a spot and getting a Superman punch here and there. But fortunately, Kenny Omega, that damn Kenny Omega, the greatest wrestler in the world. The greatest. Okay? Kenny, Chris, Matt Hardy. You guys not mad at me anymore? He's the greatest. He's great. He's better than Okada, Randy Orton, Michael Jackson, <laughs> Ghost, whatever the fuck. Anyways, I'm just he's kidding. Not like- he's not he,
0: better. He's not better than Okada. <laughs> no. if, that, um, if, that, if, that, if that's the comparison, I stand with Okada. Let's get that trending.
1: Well, you know, with, with Okada possibly coming to WWE, as soon as Rick Flair is his manager and speaking point, he's going to tell everyone how great Okada is. So we have to wait long, Chris. But that's another conversation for another time. Uh, uh,
0: just so ridiculous that he even became a thing. But let's, let's move along.
1: All right, so, uh, yeah, uh, this is a great match, man. Like, it was long. Orange Cassidy really could have won, And honestly... Me as a fan, I did. When we got into this, I was like, "There's no way Pac's gonna win. Orange Cassidy might get it." And there was a couple times where they got me, and that's good. And uh, Kenny still won, and uh, I thought this was a good match. What'd you think, Chris?
0: Yeah, Kenny always does a good job at that. I will say that he he, not as evident in the Rich Swan match, but in this match, there's just because of how over Orange Cassidy is. He was able to make it believable that he might lose, you know, and that he would get the underdog winning. But uh, I think they did a good job of protecting Orange Cassidy here, too, because he basically got screwed over.
1: All right, let's let's do the last match. uh, Inner Circle going against the Pinnacle Stadium Stampede. Second match, it was for 31 minutes and 30 seconds. This match went, I mean, everywhere, uh, like the last one. It definitely was more bloody. It was definitely more brawling. Um, I think one of my favorite parts, personally, uh, was when they made it to the lounge, I guess, area. And it was basically just FTR and Pride and Powerful beating the crap out of each other. And (laughs) Tully Blanchard's with FTR. So all of a sudden we realized the DJ is DJ Conan. And there's K-Dog in the background on the DJ booth. Uh, Love Mr. Conan, hope everything's going on much better with his whole kidney thing. That's still an active issue, which is scary, but it's good seeing him in this spot. And uh, I loved his interaction with Tully a little bit, kind of like, you know, bucking at him and shit. And uh, I thought this was a lot of fun. I'm trying to think of like all the spots. Sean Spears in the, the room with all the chairs calling upon Sammy. You know, and them having a brawl where Sam, it looked like a ninja fight with chairs at first. Like, Sammy just went right into it. Um, and Chris Jericho and MJF, them beating the crap out of each other. Them entering by scaling down the uh, touchdown area or the, uh, the what the hell is it called? The big thing that, the scoreboard, if you will. I Just great touches. This was fun. And it ended up in the ring, which is even better. You know, Jericho takes, uh, takes out MJF by throwing him. And then Sammy, you know, takes out first by doing the same thing that Sean Spears did to him in the corner and then does his finisher and gets the three count. Uh, and then we, they, they go off the air with the whole audience singing Judith, which, I mean, it's over. You, you make the, the fans go home happy. But now we know it's not done between the Pinnacle, who won war games. Also, MJF beat Chris Jericho beforehand. And also now Inner Circle won this. We're going forward, which I don't think either one of us are excited about. But either way, for half cinematic, half in the ring, all the weird shit they went through, um, the wall that, that you know, the, the obviously fake wall, I should say, that, that Wardlow and, and Jake Hager went through. Uh, it, was a, it was a fun match. Did you like it, Chris?
0: It was a really fun match, and it was the, great, the crowd reaction was absolutely phenomenal for when Sammy got that pin. Um, he looks like a million bucks here. I think if they did anything, they elevated Sammy Guevara quite a bit in this match, uh, especially because he was the one that gave up in the last match. So, I mean, out of all the things that came out of this, this the my my favorite thing is probably just the elevation of Sammy Guevara. But this was a uh, a really fun match, and like you said, the cinematic piece. I got worried at first. I was like, is this whole thing going to be one of those? Um, when they fought to the ring, I was so relieved. <laughs> and uh, from there, man, it really took off. Like the, the This is definitely worth watching, for sure, and was probably my second favorite match of the show.
1: And that was AWWL or nothing. Uh, I thought it was a tremendous pay-per-view. Uh, like I said, my least favorite, I think, was Cody versus Anthony Ogogo. They still had a good match, but, I mean... If you're going to have a loser, you're going to have a loser. But every other match, I think, lived up. And uh, that was a good way to go out. I thought it, with the fans, it just made it so much more. Just like last night's episode. I can't wait for, you know, once they get out of Daily Place and they're going to start traveling in July. And WWE's is going to start traveling. And, you know, MLW's waiting for their next uh, endeavor uh, to be on Vice, but also to have audiences. And Ring of Honor is about to have audiences. It's just great. That we're getting to some place of normalcy um, with the pandemic, but you know, hopefully not completely, but hopefully mostly behind us. So audiences, just like WrestleMania, it they they really do matter, and you really got to see who's over, who's not so over, or the audience is kind of tempted to go the opposite way, and uh, just a great the great interaction between the audience. And the stage, uh, it's really necessary to have their reaction, to have our reaction live there for them to figure out what the hell they're doing.
0: Yeah, I agree. Sorry, my phone went on mute. Um, yeah, I agree with you 100% on that. And the, the crowd, that was that was a big thing. I think it elevated a lot of these matches. Uh, great pay-per-view overall. I mean, from top to bottom, I thought it was a really Really good matches. There wasn't anything on the the show that I absolutely hated. Uh, If I had to pick a least favorite, I guess it would be the Battle Royal, but I'm just not a big Battle Royal guy. Uh, But it was cool seeing Jungle Boy even win that, so that even came out as a a good thing. There wasn't anything bad on the show, man. You can't say that about a lot of pay-per-views. Usually there's something I can nitpick at, but this one was solid, start to bottom. I really enjoyed it.
1: All right, well, I agree with you. All right, so we got... Two pay-per-views that are going to be airing um, one Sunday evening uh, with the NWA and then probably one Sunday night, Monday early morning, uh, based on Japan with New Japan. Um, So we'll go over those. And then we got the, the, of course, the the biggest topic of news, uh, some of the uh, firings, if you will. I'm not going to say they were let go. They were for their future endeavors, whatever. They were let go because – WWE is obviously trying to condense down and sell themselves. But that will be the last thing that we go over. Let's go over these cards for Dominion and NWA uh, when our shadows fall. Um, more, more so, I, I think, the main question. So I'll, I'll just say the whole card because it's not too many matches. It's five matches for Dominion. Uh, the first one, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Rokugoto, Goto, Tanahashi Ishii and Yoshihashi. Versus the Bullet Club, Evil, uh, Yujiro Takahashi, Chase Owens, Ishimori, and El Fantasmo in a 10 man tag match. Then we have uh, Los Cinco Rabanables de, de Capone, Tetsuya Naido, Sonata, and Bushi going against Suzuki Gun, uh, Taichi, Zack Saber Jr., and Doki in a six man match. We have El Desperado against Yo for the IWGP Jr. Heavyweight Champion, Kota Bushi versus Jeff Cobb, which should be a great match we're here for the main one, man. Are we going to wake up Monday morning, Chris, and find out Kazuchika Okada has the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship once again after he beats Shingo Takagi, or even though they didn't decide to do that much with uh, Naito's last title run, uh, especially Evil's last title run, Kotabushi's, that they're going to put it on Shingo Takagi over Okada. I just don't see that happening. I really think that Monday morning, the Raymaker will have the IWGP World Heavyweight title once again. Especially with this whole talks that New Japan and Nick Khan, him trying to work out and iron out them sharing talent, possibly in the future, and also working together.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, I I love Takagi, so it's nothing against him, but just where the company's at and needing a guy that they can rely on, Okada's I think you put the belt on Okada. This should be a really damn good match. Uh, the sleeper match on this card is going to be Koto Abushi and Jeff Cobb. I think that's going to be a yeah. hell of a fucking match. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. And Desperado, I think he'll he'll retain in his title match. I don't see him losing a Gio. I could be wrong. Um, but I, I could see him retaining there. But the the two that I'm most excited about is definitely the Abushi jeff Cobb match and the Okada-Shingo-Takagi match. And I guess I'm going to have to get up ass early. Um to watch my boy Okada reclaim his belt.
1: Yeah, um, me too. I hope I actually get to catch that live when I'm at work Monday morning and I will be watching it on my cell phone. So if you're listening boss, yeah, Eh, whatever. He's not usually there for two hours later. So I think I'm fine, (laughs) but um, no, really, this is going to be awesome. I'm excited about this. And I mean, it just makes sense with all these talks about Nikon, WWE, trying to approach New Japan uh, because they're trying to make a base NXT-wise over there and expand to their Japanese audience. They didn't have the best time trying to buy out Pro Wrestling Noah. Um, they try to get involved with all Japan. They now are, like we talked about last week, involved with New Japan in some way. Uh, well, actually, not 100% yet but they're in talks and they have been for a while so it just makes sense i'm sorry it's like i said what the women's titles on either brand what sasha and 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 charlotte kind of represent for those titles that if they have it it's just perfect for it with the men with you know your brock Lesnar's or some of your other legends like your your orton's or or your your john Cena's, but like roman reigns mainly i would say um Walter to NXT UK, Adam Cole or Finn Balor for NXT, Jay Lethal for Ring of Honor, uh, Nick Aldis for NWA. I feel like Okada represents that even on another level in New Japan. So if they put the title back on him, it just makes sense, especially if we're going to have interactions. We need to have that title on the top superstar to represent New Japan. And uh, that is Kazuchika Okada. Just... Best wrestler in the fucking world. And yes, yeah. I did say it earlier. If he's going to have a representative over here in the U.S., I would love him in the Nature Boy. That would be my ultimate pairing, honestly.
0: <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, the thing here, and, and the, one of the, the other reasons outside of even the WWE talks, but, but I 100% agree with you there. Um, the other reason Okada needs the title here is I still think they want to go back to Okada and Osprey. So when Osprey's healthy, um, hopefully, in around the time of Wrestle Kingdom, uh, that might be the match you see. You know, I, I I know it's usually the G1 winner, but we just saw if they're going to do two nights, we we saw Naito defend two nights. So maybe you see that with Okada as well this year, because I, I think they really do want that Osprey that Osprey Okada match, because that was the match planned before Will got hurt. So hopefully they go back there. I want to see that match, personally. I think it'll be amazing, especially for the title. Oh, yeah.
1: Absolutely. Teacher versus student, the ultimate one. Um, Okada being the babyface with the championship against Will Ospreay coming back from injury as the heel. Great idea. They've already had great matches. And I will say, too, because it's been stated by both gentlemen, if we're talking back to the possible WWE New Japan Interaction. I have to see a match between Will Osprey and Seth Rollins at some point. Um, it's kind of like Zack Saber Jr. and Daniel Bryan. I need to see certain matches. If not, I will uh, kill some people. You know, mm-hmm. whatever. I'm just kidding. I won't do that. And, and,
0: I don't know. Um, I don't know how, in like how in touch you've been with this stuff, but I I did hear the rumor that a lot of that talk is just about Daniel Bryan specifically for shared dates so i'm
1: i've heard people one of the main things yep
0: yeah i've heard people go back and forth on what this discussion actually means um and then obviously with all the releases which we'll get into here during the news segment um what con is actually trying to accomplish here
1: con well if it's a if, if it's just to appease daniel bryan just let him go. You're making all these fucking budget cuts. Let him go do his own thing and go invigorate the wrestling industry outside of WWE if that's what he really wants to do. Let him go and do stuff with CML and New Japan. Because if you're going to get rid of Braun Strowman for however much you're paying him and some of the other, the 60 cuts out of the workers within uh, WWE you know, production and also um, corporate – uh, if, if you're going to keep on doing this and it seems like you're, you're trying to make a selling value of all this profit and cutting down, there's no reason to pay Dan O'Brien so much and try to send him to New Japan to keep him happy. I, I just don't see the point of it at all with what they've been doing, Chris. I, I just don't see even the value. I love Dan O'Brien, but if he wants to go, let him go. Why the fuck would you be getting rid of Braun Strowman, Aleister Black, Samoa Joe, all these other people? 60 cuts corporate when you know you're going to keep Daniel Bryan and try to get New Japan involved just for that,
0: yeah. It, it, and it's it, that's why I'm saying like it's it, we haven't heard enough news on it to know where this is really going to go. But I, as I said on the podcast when we were talking about Daniel Bryan originally when his contract came up, I don't understand, like, as, as good as that guy has been for that company, just let him work a few fucking dates somewhere else. Is it really gonna kill you? Like even even if he was willing to resign, like why why is that such a big deal? Or if anything, it's just gonna elevate you to other regions that don't watch WWE. Like new Japan fans in Japan don't necessarily watch WWE. So seeing Daniel Bryan go over there and have a great match and then come back, that might make them wanna say, Hey, I wanna maybe I'll check out this WWE network thing. You know what I mean? Like I don't understand the why this is such a big deal (laughs) other than wwe just doesn't want to do it that's the most ridiculous thing like they don't even need a working relationship really with new japan um they just need to let give open dates much like moxley has you know like it's not it, it shouldn't be that huge of a deal for someone like daniel bryan who's given a lot to that fucking company that's that's all
1: i'm saying i completely agree and you know, just like Tony Khan said, Nick Khan, you're just a con from Connecticut. And you know, if you're, he's had all these New Japan crossovers as of lately. Like, what are you really doing, bro? Um, would have been awesome <laughs> if Matt Riddle came out during that promo and like was like pumping up Tony. Um, anyways, but yeah, the thing is, I will say I if what from what you're laying out there, I would if it's just gonna be that little of an interaction. I would rather AEW build a relationship. And and let's be honest, with New Japan, not New Japan strong, which I like a lot of the guys on there over here in the U.S., but actually with New Japan, um, it's a little bit of a difference to me. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, we... we... We want to see either or, right? As wrestling
0: fans, I mean, there's ma- great matchups in both. Yeah. Like, I don't have a problem with e- either of them having a working or both of them having a working relationship with New Japan. Um,
1: if would I you was con, seeing, would you I rather was, see Okada go against AJ Styles again or Kenny Omega again? Um
0: Kenny Omega again, honestly. Okay. But I lo- I love AJ, but I, I I would love both those matches, right? I would also love to see Okada versus Orton. I think they would have a fucking great match.
1: Yeah, they Um, would. Um, It'd be a very different
0: match, but it would be a great match. Um, Yeah, the only thing I was going to say is Tony Khan probably shouldn't stir up shit with the other Khan that works for WWE. Because that's that's not something you necessarily want to do. I don't know if you just want to piss in their general direction for no reason.
1: Who knows? Maybe uh, NBC Universal will buy out the Discovery Network and then they have Warner Brothers. So you better, you, you might not want to piss off anyone. You know, that's all I'm saying. We don't know what's going on. There's so many mergers nowadays. Yeah. Um, and I, I
0: think they you know, where there's smoke, there is fire with all the layoffs and them consolidating different departments for social media, like the 60 corporate employees that you were talking about in the wrestling layoffs. Um, In the fact that they sold to Peacock, like there is a chance that Vince is just getting out, um, and WWE will be sold. But that I don't know if that's a bad thing or not. Like, it's it's weird to think about um, and what that's going to look like and who's going to run the damn company. It's I'm gonna it's gonna be fucking hilarious if like when they sell they remove Triple H and Stephanie and Vince and then they just fucking make Paul Heyman the head guy or some shit. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's such, it'd be <laughs> such a weird world.
1: <laughs> what if something comes out so sour that uh, Triple H is like, I'm done with this. I'm taking NXT. And he gets a chance to just take NXT and make it his own fucking entity. Like, you guys fuck off over at NBC Universal. It's going to be crazy in the next couple of years.
0: Yeah, I mean, if they do sell. As someone that's been part of a, a merger with my company, it starts out normal everything feels normal but then little changes start trickling in and the next thing you know it's it's completely different (laughs) than when you first started there so i could easily see something like that happening but it's 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 definitely something to watch out i I, watch out for that's for sure
1: well let's go over this other pay-per-view i want to talk about and then we'll get into the rest of those details and you know we've been playing with you toying with you with the uh cuts but we will be going over that but first NWA, When Our Shadows Fall. I'm very excited, mostly because of Billy Corrigan. He was on Chris Jericho's podcast. He was on Busted Open this last week. And I just think that, I mean, besides the fact that I, and I don't care, people like to pull down Corrigan, like, oh, he made Smashing Pumpkins break up when he screwed over, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, sorry, guys, there's bands, And if you want to say that Maynard or, 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 or Corrigan or certain other people – don't have a place in trying to take the overhaul and dealing with other musicians. I'm not going to say that every situation that's painted out there, you know, might not be true, but I mean, Billy Corrigan smashed pumpkin. So I've, I've heard people just like, I, I don't like some of the attitudes out there. Like, you know, Chris Jericho was, was posting this on his page and people were just downing the NWA. And I've heard a lot of uh, people that analyze wrestling that I even respect kind of downplaying the NWA it's it's kind of weird that they're charging for it, but they are making enough, you know, a substantial amount of money for it uh, for them to continue. Billy Corgan had to come out a lot out of pocket for, you know, the duration of time during the everything that, that happened, um, the pandemic. But recently they have a new production team. Dave Laguna had a lead because of his allegations last year. Uh, but Simon Diamond, or I forgot what the the uh, the actual his actual real name is, but he's been working with Corrigan, and apparently he's been promoting at other places. But he just wants NWA to be that niche where it's becoming more of since they're doing the old school style. It's uh you know there there isn't a lot of people that are doing that, so it's like the new new in a way. And he wants to do stuff over here. He talked about how he talks to Tony Khan on an almost, like, you know, every other day basis through text messages and goes back and forth with him. Uh, he really wants to utilize the concept that I've talked about, about, and that apparently, you know, well, I've heard Tony talk about small part, but, like, Billy was talking for him, that a lot of these guys want to work together in order to make big enough pay-per-views to rival, if not, you know, the same level, but, like, close to what WWE does by working together as opposed to against each other, and how he his style is much more old-school style, but that's the way it's supposed to be. I kind of talked about it earlier, how he thinks that Cody uh, is someone that definitely has unfinished business with Nick Aldis, how they literally need to have a rubber match because of the two matches they had previously, one it all in, and one at one of the NWA pay-per-views, and um, really pumping up the, the, the Murdoch-Aldis match, And, you know, uh, it was Dave LaGreca that even said this gives me kind of a Ric Flair, Dusty feel, which is one of my favorite rivalries of all time. You have the everyman. um, You have this 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 guy, Trevor Murdoch, who was trained by Harley Race, who might have more in common than him with Dusty. But is that everyman that we want to see win and he's passionate. And then you have the guy that wears the suits, has been the champion for so long and looks down upon him, even though he's been in the industry as long as he has and you know, and I I love that camaraderie and I love some of the stuff that he was saying for the future about uh, you know, NWA and everyone working together. And I think it's, it's really positive thinking. I don't know if it's actually going to happen that way, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited nonetheless for this pay-per-view and mostly was because of uh, some of his words about what he wants to do within the industry. So Uh, Billy Corgan, uh, I guess controversial sometimes to people. Uh, Chris, I don't know how you feel about that, but, you know, nonetheless, owner of NWA is still putting his money into it. Says that they're still making a good profit. They're going to be around for a minute and, uh, you know, promoting this pay-per-view. That happens tomorrow night.
0: Are they allowing fans to this pay-per-view? Or has that been I believe so damn, I wish I would have thought about getting tickets for this because it's, it's, at, the, it's at the GPB studios here in Atlanta again. Um, that sucks. But with Billy Corgan, are people mad? Here's the question, I guess. Are people mad that he's doing NWA or are they mad that now they're charging for it?
1: Now they're charging for it because, you know, he, he shouldn't be asking money for something that's that small. They're trying to grow. Um, kind of call him a cheap ass, which is the reason why he broke up with people in his band. Blah blah blah. You know, taking the whole band Billy Corgan and mixing him with the professional wrestling Billy Corgan. So angry I mean, Smash and Pumpkins fans.
0: Yeah, what the hell does that have to do with NWA or wrestling though? Like, <laughs> it just—it's a, it's a company. He's running a business. Of course he wants to make money. No one, even if he just is—it's a, a labor of love. He doesn't want to fucking spend all his money on something. And not get any kind of return on it. That's a dumb that's a dumb way of thinking. I can't, you know. Um as far as Billy Corgan being a controversial figure, like the same people that bitch about Billy Corgan doing NWA are probably the same people that wanted him to buy impact. Like people are so damn fickle. <laughs> uh I will say that the the card itself looks pretty damn good though.
1: Should we go over that card? Yeah, let's do it. It's not a lot of matches, but all of them seem like fun matches. We have Thunarosa and her old mentor Melina, who made amends with her as of recently on NWA Power, uh, going against the returning to wrestling Kylie Ray and also returning to wrestling Taryn Terrell in a tag mm-hmm. match. Uh, we, that one, personally to me, I mean, unless you're turning Kylie Ray and Taryn Terrell heel completely. I mean, I guess Molina could screw over Thunder Rosa. I just feel like if you're Thunder Rosa, you're going to win. So that's my opinion. NWA Television Championship match. Pope versus Tyrus. I think Pope should keep it. I mean, If if anyone wants to see some guy that was doing uh, Velveteen Dream before Velveteen Dream and Impact, uh, their TV champion Pope kind of uh, shows that anyways. But uh, triple threat for the NWA World Tag Team titles. You have the War Kings, uh, Jack Stane and Crimson against the NWA national champions Chris Adonis and Tom Latimer against Aaron Stevens and J.R. Kratos, who are the champions. Uh, You have the NWA world women's title match with Camille and champion Serena Deeb and NWA world heavyweight championship match, the one we've been talking about, Trevor Murdoch and Nick Aldis for the championship belt. I think that... With the other ones, Pope's going to retain. I think that Vladimir and um, Chris Adonis are going to pick up the tag titles because Nick Aldis is going to retain as well, and they're all in a group together, and that means I think Camille's actually going to win. I think it's going to be all belts for their faction right now. So they'll have the tag belts, they'll have the women's title match, or the women's belt, and the men's heavyweight belt as well. So those are my predictions Chris what do you think about this card what do you think about the matches who do you think is going to win I'm looking forward to
0: the Trevor Murdoch Nick Aldis match I think that'll be a really fun a really fun watch kind of difference of styles but uh, I, I like this version of Nick Aldis quite a bit and uh, I think he's gonna retain with uh, Camille versus Serena deep I don't see Serena deep dropping the title yet but I think the that's, that will be maybe the match of the night. That should be a really damn good match. The triple threat for the NWA World Tag Team titles. Oh, man. Hmm. I don't see Chris Masters, and uh, I can't think of his tag team partner's name. Is it Latimer? I don't see them dropping yeah. it yet. Um, and then for that, uh, that the grudge match with with Funkasaurus and <laughs> uh, Pope to Pope. I was trying to think of his other name. Was it D'Angelo Denario? Denario? Wasn't that what his gimmick was in Impact? It's crazy so many Impact You probably watched
1: him. Yeah, I was going to say, you probably watched him in Impact before he was Pope. I've only seen him as the Pope. Um, But, dude, I mean, I didn't realize. I know uh, Velveteen Dream can say Prince all all he wants, but Pope is very that gimmick (laughs) before Velveteen Dream was doing it.
0: Yeah, with a little bit of religion thrown in there. At least when he was in Impact, he had kind of a weird...
1: That's it was weird.
0: definitely definitely, definitely similar. That's where the Pope comes from, kind of that gimmick. But, um, but yeah, I, I feel like he's going to retain against Funkasaurus. I'm not a huge Tyrus. I've never been a huge Tyrus fan, even when he was in WWE or Impact. It's like, that guy just does nothing for me. I know he's a big dude and well, whatever, but I just... I just never have been a huge fan. There was some other matches on here. Is, doesn't Thunder Rosa have a match on the show?
1: Yeah, I mentioned that one. There's two pre-show matches we can go over, too, that I almost forgot about, so I apologize. But Thunder Rosa and Melina uh, going against Kylie Ray, who's returning, and Taryn Terrell, who's returning. Um, like I said, I feel like Thunder Rosa and Melina should win, but Molina, even though they made amends, could fuck over Thunder Rosa again for the millionth time. And um, Kylie Ray and Terrence Terrell both back to wrestling after an amount of time. Uh, Kylie Ray obviously was out because of depression, left Impact, came over here. Um, I don't know. You would think the babyface would win, but it's Thunder Rosa. Is Melina going to fuck her over, or is Thunder Rosa and Melina winning?
0: Uh, I think, yeah. I think, I think I could see Melina screwing over Thunder Rosa here and then just going back to that feud. Just because, like, I don't know what you would do with Kylie Ray and Taryn Terrell. Are they going to be there full-time, or is this just a one-off yep. appearance? Okay. No, well, they, I mean... Fine. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I could go either way on this match, then. But you, you're probably right. They might just do the Molina screwjob thing again.
1: Here's one that I'm looking forward to. These guys have been friends for a long time. Um, I don't know if JTG is signed, but he's going against Fred Rosser, who is the foreman, Darren Young. Uh Obviously, both ex-WWE guys, uh, Darren Young, who was uh, in WWE for a long time, Um, and then JTG, who is Shaq Gaspar's, obviously, his partner. But uh, both two great gets for him. I think JTG needs to win this because I'm pretty sure, from what I've seen, Fred Rosser, a.k.a. Darren Young, has been a heel, mainly. So JTG seems like the bigger star out of the two of them.
0: Yeah, man, it's been forever since I, you know, have seen Darren Young in a match. because I, I, I haven't watched all of all of the stuff that's been going on in NWA. But I think the last time I saw him was in New Japan.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, do you think Do you think he's going to win over JTG, or do they give it to him? I. Uh, no, I could see JTG winning here. But it is cool to see
0: Darren uh, Darren Young again. I actually liked him quite a bit. I, I thought him and Titus O'Neil were a very entertaining tag team when they were together in WWE. So it's good to see that he's back in America was a part doing
1: of, some uh, TV stuff. Nexus, that's where he first made his like claim to fame, right?
0: Potentially, I I, I just remember him and um, Titus O'Neil being a tag team, and they had that manager. Um, what was it? That's where that. Uh,
1: God, what is the name of that damn song now?
0: Hold on. I'm doing some Googling.
1: <laughs> Google your ass off. I, I remember him afterwards when they started having a feud is when I started coming into it with Darren Young and uh, um, Titus. And then Bob Backlund was training Darren Young uh, during that time period. It was really weird, actually. To be honest. Yeah, they, they were
0: the primetime players. And they had... Uh, Percy will uh, Percy Watson, I think.
1: Percy Watson, wow. Um, Let's we'll see,
0: yeah. Prime times, the prime time players. Where was that tag team's name? I'm trying to remember who their man. A W was their manager. Yeah, and that guy got fired because he. I, don't, I can't remember how he got fired, but there was there was something, and then that was kind of the dissension of that tag team once they fired the manager. But, um, yeah, they were that was a great tag team. That's from, like, 2012, though. We're talking, you know, nine years ago at this point, so it's really hard for me to draw that much from memory on the, a B-level tag team.
1: All right, so the last uh, match is interesting. These are all new tag teams um, towards the group. Uh, but you have... I think this is for number one contender, but I'm not 100% sure for the tag teams. You have Besties 666 who was formerly an MLW from AAA. He's... Uh, Oh my god, his dad is... Is it Damian666? Who is the WCW guy, Chris? Um... What's not Damian? I have to look this up. Hold on one sec. You just, uh, sing for the people out there. Sing for them. Uh,
0: Sing, sing a song.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Damian666. Uh old-school fucking creepy-ass uh, luchador wrestler used to be popular off Nitro back in the day. But anyways, he's tagging with MechaWolf450, uh, who's an awesome luchador wrestler, uh, going against Marsh uh, Rocket and Slice Boogie, who have just, uh, I saw him in one match so far on NWA, Sam Rudeau and Sal uh, Renaro, and then, who I think should win and get those tag titles. If you want to talk more, and this is I have to build them up like this. If you want to more so than Ascension, more so than the Viking Raiders, more so than f- whatever the hell Retribution now is, Demolition, 2.0, whatever the fuck, or no, 1.10 or whatever the hell. The End! Odinson and Perro. Got one guy, 6... I think he's 6'6", six, six, and Odinson 6'4". These guys are monsters. The End is based off of um, Fury Road that just came out. Uh, definitely trying to do a very similar LOD thing, but watch, and I've said this before for certain people, watch Odinson in the next couple of years. I think he's going to be one of the top guys in the industry. Not only does he look like a million bucks, he's like the ultimate warrior body, Lex Luger body, but he can work his ass off. Um, but yeah, him and Pero, I think, should win this. They've been beating people and only lost... Um, last time just by a hair to Aaron Stevens and uh, uh, J.R. J. Kratos. Or no, no, it was I think it was the War Kings, actually, for uh, them going into this match against the champions. So that's who I think is going to win. Who do you think is going to win this number one contender match?
0: Based on the little bit I've seen, I'm going to go with the end because I feel like they're going to go back to them versus War Kings. It's crazy to see how many damn TNA people are on this <laughs>
1: Yeah, man, Roxxon <laughs> aren't they? That's um, Crimson. Man,
0: yep. Crimson was an impact. He had like a Jack gold Stane. streak. Yeah, Jack Stain and Taryn Terrell and uh, it, the, the Pope and who else? Fuck, pretty much a lot of a lot of these matches. <laughs> Nick uh, Nick Aldis was there. Magnus. Yeah. Uh, Chris Adonis, Chris Masters, but he was also in, um, he was also in WWF.
1: Yeah, that's, and Tyrus, he was an Impact. There's a lot of Impact guys here, but good for them. Yeah, if they're good, they're good. There's some ex-WW guys too, like, I think that, um, what's his name, Aaron Stevens has done great um, as a heel, now as a babyface. It's good for them, and I'm looking forward to this, I mean, I think mainly, if I watch this pay-per-view, if I get a chance to watch it live, I'm looking forward to the main event with Trevor Murdoff and Nick Aldis. But I'm glad. I, I really am glad these wrestling groups are all trying to work together or work out that concept. And I think eventually, like I've said in the past, we're going to have some type of, not necessarily the territory system, but something that will be a lot of these guys, even if AEW is the biggest one, uh, them to working together to be like over here like, look, look at me. And if you get your niche from any of those different organizations, whatever, whether it be game changer wrestling with the hardcore stuff, whether it be NWA with the old school stuff, whether it be ring of honor with more of like an MMA style type of concept towards it, whether it be impact, that's more sports entertainment, AEW, that's kind of like your new WCW. So it's a little bit of this and that, or, you know, the guys over at Titan, it's it's, it's, I think, and even though people like to put this down because of comparing it to the past, I think it's a really good time to be a wrestling fan, Chris.
0: Even with all the yeah, stupid I think shit. There's, there's lots
1: of options.
0: You should be able to find something that you like on TV as far as wrestling goes. So if you're a lapsed wrestling fan, now would be a good time to get back in, especially if you just like older style wrestling, like the NWA is gonna give you that, you know? Um I mean, and we didn't even talk about like places like MLW, right? They got they got their show starting up on Vice soon. Um, God, there's a bunch of great wrestling, bunch of great wrestling. I really do want to see NWO work with Ring of Honor again, though, because uh, some of those tag teams that we just talked about in NWA, uh, them boys weren't very happy that they lost in that tournament last year. <laughs>
1: I know, and they they uh, they put off the tournament. So hopefully we do see some interaction with Ring of Honor. Love to see that. Um, let's talk about the last big thing of news, Chris, to end our, our our conversation. We were talking about this earlier. The condensing. You know, we had a time period right after um, WrestleMania where people like Smojo, Mickey James, Peyton Royce, Billy Kay, all got dropped from the company. Um, a year after this happened the time previous you know wwe has obviously sold to the peacock network uh owned by nbc universal um to distribute the wwe network exclusively through them um we know about obviously the fox deal the saudi arabia deal if you will uh that all included the fact that wwe is making lots of money and still choosing to let people go well we'll we'll get into the people that were let go uh, this last round, wrestler-wise. But, you know, we were kind of talking about it. And we, I think we've both answered it, but, like, the final question, is WWE going to be sold to NBC Universal? Is that what all this is equating to? Nikon's coming in, cutting some of the stuff, Vince is still in charge, but this is for a sale, essentially. And what does that mean as far as contracts? In your opinion... In my opinion, I feel like Stephanie, Triple H, and probably Vince, <laughs> until he wants to tap out, will still be a part of major, like, head roles. Uh, same thing with uh, uh, Bucky Beaver, um, their they're, they're they're, they're TV guy, god dang it, uh, can't remember his name. Jim Cornette only has me remember him as Bucky Beaver, though. But the main guy that's in charge of production over there at WWE... Um, Yeah, I I still think they're all going to be involved, but is this going to be over at NBC? Um, Are they going to be in charge of everything? You know, they they basically have Monday Night Raw because they own USA. They have NXT because they own USA. They have the network. And even if it's going through Fox, they would be the one owning SmackDown to get distributed through Fox. So, I mean, it makes the most sense, I think, with them. With all the cuts, everything that's been going on the last couple of years, trying to condense, uh, bring up their value, are we going to see WWE bought out, if not by NBC, then someone soon in the future?
0: I mean, that's what all the signs seem to be pointing to, and and all the media outlets seem to be reporting. It it does make the most sense, because why else would you be shedding all of this money and consolidating, Um, especially when you just had your most profitable year ever? Which is crazy to think about because it was in COVID, but because of the TV deals, e- either this year or last year was WWE's most profit profitable it's ever been. Like, so it's crazy they want to sell, but it's you know Vince is getting old. Maybe he's just done with it. And um, I think Brian Alvarez said it best. He's like. Vince always wanted to be a mogul, an entertainment mogul. It's probably why he had such a feud with Ted Turner more than anything else. It wasn't necessarily about wrestling, and this would make him that, like by selling to NBC, getting this, what I'm assuming is going to be over. He's going to want the same thing that UFC got, if not more, which is like 4.5 million or billion dollars or something like that. I'm assuming it's going to be something like that, um, selling to NBC. The interactions between Fox and NBC is kind of weird. I wonder if there's some kind of out on the, con- the TV contract for that. If something like this happens, I would assume so, since Fox is in direct competition with NBC in a lot of ways. Um, it's it's weird, man. It's weird, and and like you said, like maybe they would keep everyone in place, but also like. I'm sure NBC has a bunch of television producers that are way fucking better than (laughs) Bucky Beaver as far as filming stuff. Kevin Dunn. Kevin (laughs) Dunn. Kevin Dunn. I feel like... uh,
1: I'm done with figuring out what the Bucky Beaver thing was. Sorry, here we
0: go. (laughs) I was going to say, you know, like stuff like that with a bazillion camera cuts and shit, there's got to be someone at NBC. Like there's people that could be replaced and might be replaced if they
1: get bought out. I wouldn't be surprised by that.
0: Yeah, especially well, uh,
1: uh, hold on hold on one second. When, when you say that people are gonna be replaced uh, do you uh, I I'm fine right you know I I, I still have my job uh, right
0: well I mean that's inter- interesting in itself because didn't triple H and Stephanie just shell off a bunch of stock also not that long ago yep so I mean it, this could be the whole family getting out not just not just Vince, and if he sells the company, I mean, he is the majority stakeholder, as far as I'm aware. Still, even though he sold off a ton of stock as as well when he bought into the XFL, so yeah, it's it's interesting, man. There's great stuff in the Wrestling Observer newsletter, kind of breaking it down. Brian Alvarez has kind of went over it a bunch. Um, just the interact the the inner workings of anything like this, any kind of. I mean, you're talking about four to five billion dollar sale. That's, like, above my pay grade of being able to fucking explain it. So, but all signs do point to them trying to sell it. Doesn't mean Vince will. I mean, he may not get the money that he wants for it. And I'm assuming just to be a dick, he's going to want to get more than Dana White got for UFC.
1: Probably. I could definitely see that. All right. Well, I mean, this all rounds up to probably the biggest... Um I would say the bigger thing that happened this week and involved with this was some cuts. I'm gonna go over the first couple together and I'm gonna leave the last two by themselves. Uh like I said, we already knew about like, you know, the one previous where people like Tucker, Samoa Joe, Mickey James, Peyton Royce, Billy Kay, uh several people all got let go. A couple uh, NXT people. Shortly after, after that, got let go. Uh, then we had 60 workers behind the scenes. Uh, Verk got let go. Tom Phillips got let go. And it was noted, and by the way, it's still noted that there's going to be some cuts off the UK roster. <laughs> Stay away from fucking Walter. If I don't know how much you're paying him, but you have so much potential. I think Triple H will punch Vince McMahon in the face if they get rid of Tyler Bate, Walter, certain other people over there, but that's happening apparently in the soon, the same source that said that this was going to happen. And then we found out later on that day, Braun Strowman, Aleister Black, Lana, Murphy, Ruby Riot, and Santana Garrett were all released. Santana Garrett was about to finally premiere on SmackDown. Uh, She's a great wrestler. She's been used basically as like a, I don't know a just a throwaway wrestler on NXT and also on the main roster she's in random matches, but she's about to have some type of role. Uh, we were just complimenting last week, Ruby riot with her work with Lib Morgan in the riot squad. Uh, their third uh, member of the group was let go last year. And this time uh, Ruby was let go, uh, which sucks because Ruby is an excellent in-ring wrestler um, and her and Liv were the only ones who were acting, I think, actively as a real tag team, had a similar look and everything for that women's division. Uh, Murphy, Buddy Murphy, whatever you want to call him, you know, talking about he had some 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 big highs and some lows. You know, recently the whole relationship weird fucking thing, they threw him with Aaliyah. but mainly, you know, Buddy Murphy won the cruiserweight title, I believe, in Australia, in his homeland, if you will. Um, and had that whole relationship with Seth Rollins, presenting the storyline. Great in-ring wrestler. Uh, and who was the other? Oh, and Lana. Lana, who they kept around a year after they got rid of her husband to get thrown through a bunch of tables for no fucking reason, to be thrown in every which way, not really going back to what she's good at, which is, managing or just promos in general, just completely skipped and ignored that. And now they get rid of her. But what are you going to do? I think she'll be fine. I want out of those. We'll we'll talk about black. We'll talk about Strowman. but Lana, buddy, Murphy, Ruby, riot, Santana Garrett. um, Besides Santana, all, all the names, especially Alistair black and Braun Strowman, pretty big names to be released.
0: Yeah, the surprising thing with me with Lana and Ruby Riot is they're by releasing them, they just broke up two of the tag teams out of the four they had for the women's division.
1: Hey Chris, I just want to um, say something. Uh, I heard a voice from you probably about six months ago. Uh, apparently, they don't care about the women's tag division, <laughs> let alone the tag divisions on Raw SmackDown. Uh, Yeah, but if they're
0: still going to do it, I have to point out the fact that now they only have two tag teams (laughs) until they throw some random people together, I guess. Uh, Ruby Riot, I mean, that was, I think that she's absolutely great. Uh, Maybe she just was tired of jobbing every week, but she kind of just seemed like she was going through the motions sometimes. But then you would see her on like a pay-per-view in one of those matches and that tag team looked great. Like they looked like the only actual tag team uh, in that entire women's division, at least on the main roster. So it sucks to see her go. Um, the Rock did; she she made that big long post and was very emotional. And uh, the Rock actually said, "You will suffer. Uh, you will resurface stronger, wiser, and better," uh, directly to Ruby Riot. So that's kind of cool. Um, like I mean, you know, if you're trying to pick cool things out of someone getting fired, which sucks. Uh, Lana. I don't know where she goes from here. She's not necessarily the greatest wrestler in the world, but like you said, she is good on the mic and and could provide a promo for someone. I don't necessarily want her thrown back with Miro because I think Miro is a great promo. I mean, Dobby and your emo daddy Sting. Uh, Still one of my favorite things that's happened this year. I kind of like just him being him, but uh, she could be a great manager for someone else, for sure, and, and could be utilized as such. Uh, Santana Garrett's like one that I... That one I wouldn't be surprised on. i seeing a, a release. They've just never done anything, right? So that one wasn't too crazy of a surprise. And then the, the last one being Buddy Murphy. They haven't done anything with the guy. They brought him out, out on Raw to become Seth's or SmackDown to become Seth's acolyte again, or try to after the failed thing with Ray's daughter, which they did for like three weeks and just dropped with no explanation of what happened. Like, what was the point of putting them in a relationship? If you didn't have any kind of end goal to the story to begin with, they just didn't have anything for the guy to do since he left the cruiserweight division, which begs the question, why didn't you just put him back as a cruiserweight on NXT? Cause he could have had some fucking great matches there. Uh, like Murphy versus Kashida would be a banger. But I'm sure that he'll show up somewhere else in the future. I mean, I could see him being re- really successful on Impact or 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 AEW either or. Uh, the only thing about AEW is there's only so much, there's only so many people you can sign, and they 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 almost have the same problem WWE has where they have a, a horde of talent at this point. So that kind of sucks for some of these people like Buddy Murphy or Ruby Riot. But Ruby Riot, like I said, I, I think that she can be great, especially like going into that Impact Women's Division or. Hell, the NWA women's division. Add just another great wrestler there. She'll have to come up with a new name because I don't think she owns the copyright um, for Ruby Riot. But that'll be, I mean, those are my thoughts on those particular people. It sucks, though. Um, I, I Especially Buddy Murphy because I always thought that they were going to give him the big blow off with Seth Rollins and give him a push. And they just never did. So
1: Weird. Yeah, and I mean, I think this is the tale of the, the two bigger names. And as far as analyzing where they can go, Lana, I mean, I don't necessarily need to see her with Miro, but I still think that pairing could still be good if you want to do that. She's at least, like we said at Mike Peace, maybe she could be the person to promote someone against Miro. I mean, there's, there's certain elements to that, but outside of that, I mean, Impact, Murphy. Murphy's good wherever. I'd love to see him in Ring of Honor. I think he's perfectly made for that. New Japan's another place. I'd love to see him travel over there and do some shit. Um, Ruby Riot, any place. thing with AEW, I want to say that the main two guys we're about to talk about are probably the smartest ones to think might end up there. But the women's division is not struggling anymore, but it's still structuring. And her as an added element would be good. But her and Santana Garrett, I could see doing some great stuff over at Impact involved in their division. I could see Ruby uh, kind of aligning maybe in a tag team with Rosemary uh, just because they have a similar, I don't know, concept about them uh, that they can kind of become something. So, yeah, I think all of them are going to be great. But when I saw this, I'll, I'll talk about Braun first, man. I can't believe and I'm sure they were, were paying him a lot, but I can't believe they let Braun Strowman go, even more so than anyone on this list, including Alistair Black. Um, this is a guy that was in the three-way for the title match a couple weeks ago. This is a guy that a year ago had the friggin' title that they kind of dicked around. Remember when all of us were kind of aggravated about him and Samoa Joe back-to-back losing to Brock Lesnar and losing their steam? 2016, Braun Strowman, don't get me wrong. I know he talked a lot of shit about the indies at the beginning of the pandemic. Stupid stuff said. I know, obviously, he said apparently in interviews that, you know, after WWE, he might just say screw wrestling and just be happy with what, what he got. And he's saved up a lot. He's good friends with Bray, all that stuff. But Braun Strowman was a company guy. He did what they wanted him to do. Literally, the whole entire time. I don't know how much he's paying towards the end, but he really literally kind of filled the shows of the Big Show. And even Big Show was trying to, in real life, put him over to be that guy for this current generation. I think he got way better in the ring, especially knowing his role. Um, I've always been kind of a Braun Strowman fan. I, I definitely think that he was at the peak in 2016 with him and Roman and him just destroying shit and just being this monster. I was very surprised. If you took him off and told me the rest of them, even with Aleister Black on the list, I could kind of say, "Eh, well, you know, it sucks. But with him being a part of it, Chris, to me, and I'm not saying that Strowman's my favorite wrestler or anything like that, but I was shocked to find out they let go of Braun Strowman. They must have been paying him a lot if they were trying to cut costs.
0: So he actually came out and said how much his contract was recently. Uh, after getting released, which was when he renegotiated, he renegotiated for $1 million, which would have been a very, very large, that's a very, very large contract for a wrestler. Um, even like a main event guy, that's pretty large. Outside of your like Brock Lesnar's Undertaker's Romans, et cetera, That's cetera, that's a pretty big damn contract. Um, so he came out and said that. And then yesterday I was listening to a podcast Lance Storm was on and he was talking about this could be a way of by firing him coming back a couple months later and then renegotiating that contract to a smaller amount, something a little more reasonable. And a lot of these talent cuts, you know, WWE kind of brought on their self by just signing everyone they could to like five-year deals to try to keep them away from AEW. And I think now that that war has, I don't want to say the war has settled down because obviously they're still in competition with each other. Um, or WWE doesn't see them as competition anymore, so they're starting to let go of some of these big contracts. But Landstorm did make a good point that they could always re-sign him at a different amount.
1: That would make so sense.
0: I, I could see them doing something like that with Braun because they, it just doesn't seem like... I mean, Braun would be... I think Braun could be useful anywhere he went. Um, but like you said, he, he just seems like a WWE guy, right? Like, I, I just can't see him working anywhere else. Um. Yeah, but, I mean, he, he was just champion. Like, <laughs> wasn't he just the heavyweight champion not that long ago on
1: SmackDown? Well, the funny thing is, I mean, I personally, especially with his words about, uh, you know, the independence and kind of like downgrading everyone. This was when I think Evil Uno was telling everyone AEW at the beginning of the pandemic before stuff completely shut down. Hey, go to your indie shows because they're going to need a lot of support. Blah, 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 blah. And he was like, well, if you're on the independence you can't even make enough money, then you should just go get a job. You know, that whole South Park um, redneck uh, concept. But, um, no, seriously, I mean, Big Show was so high on brunch. Mark Henry was the guy that got him started uh, over at WWE. He's the one that pointed him out from finding him in the uh, – the, the big man, the lifting competitions, whatever the fuck you call them. Um, so those two connections, I'm sure, are in Tony's ear going, you should fucking hire this guy. But does Braun want to keep on doing it, or are you right, which makes a lot of sense that they're just trying to get rid of them now and then try to renegotiate for a smaller deal. But how do you feel if you're Braun Strowman that happens to you? I mean, oh, okay, well, like, he really is a big show. I mean, I don't... I could see them doing that to the fucking big show back in the day. Like, we're gonna let you go, but we'll hire you for a little bit cheaper. Like, what? That sucks. This is bullshit.
0: Yeah, and I can't take credit for that. That that was definitely something Lance Storm pointed out, so shout-out to Lance Storm. Um, Yeah, I mean, it sucks, but if it's still more money than you would make anywhere else, what do you do? I guess you either stop wrestling, or I guess they fuck you and take less money and work somewhere else. That's probably what I would do. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Because I don't think he's going to get a million dollars in AEW. No, yeah, that,
1: definitely.
0: That's a, that's a big-ass contract. I don't even know that, that Cody makes a million dollars in AEW.
1: He makes two million. And the Young Bucks make three. And Kenny Omega makes five. Chris Jericho makes uh, enough Any anyway. of
0: this? This is why... Uh, this is why it would be good for these people to, I mean, well, it could be good or bad. But, I mean, this is why contract contracts and contract offerings in sports are, like, public knowledge and easy to research and find. So you can know what your worth is uh, based on your talent level. Uh, whereas in wrestling, like we've talked about in the past, we have no fucking idea what's going on with these contracts 90% of the time. We just hear, like, an arbitrary date of when they got signed and you have a you have an idea of how many years that's going to be and when it might be up. But, we, you know, you hardly ever hear someone come out like Bernard did
1: and say, like, this is the amount I was making. Well, he's weird because of, obviously, his his spot in the company. But the other person, I think, was strange. And, I mean, I was kind of expecting it. And I don't want any person to lose your job. And I there are worries with the same person for guys like a Chad Gable, like – a ricochet like a Mustafa Ali that they just can't see what potential they have or what they have right in front of them. So if I hear their names, I'm not going to be shocked as opposed to certain other names, but Aleister Black, and I've been high on Aleister Black for a long time. And then I kind of had to pause that, uh, throughout the duration that he's been in the WWE, whether or not being in broom closets saying weird shit, uh, it sounds like Kevin Sullivan trying to say a spell to the ultimate warrior to come back to earth. I don't know what the fuck you saying. Most of the goddamn time in those promos, uh, Aleister Black's biggest thing. And he's not even, he's bad at promos. I've seen him with good ones said he wouldn't talk. He would be quiet. He would let his, his, my, one of my favorite feuds. And it's so weird. This is a couple years back was his with Velveteen dream. They had one great match takeover, but everything building up to that was awesome the interactions, and then the ending with, you know, uh, I forgot what he said exactly, like, you know, live in the infamy, Velveteen Dream, I think, was the line. And now, obviously, everything that happened with Dream, we talked about that last episode, but now Alistair Black, is no longer there. Uh, apparently, you know, he was just this new, like, dark father concept was promoting. We saw all these things. He attacked Biggie. Uh, they kept it off the last show. I even said that I was like, I'm glad they're marinating on this, and they decided not to just put it back into this show. Uh, but it was supposed to happen again this week, and we we're going to see a program with Biggie and Alistair Black, keeping Biggie away from the U.S. title to put him in more of a prominent role towards the other one and build up Aleister Black as well. And he even wrote, apparently, the new theme that, you know, partially helped write it, at least with the uh, Musicians. And uh, we never got to hear it or anything like that. And he's, he's gone. And Tia AK, a.k.a. Uh, Selena, um, was coming back to WWE. But apparently that's – or she halted that. Or I'm assuming – I think – I'm almost positive she said that. But if not, I mean, I would. I'd be like, well, what the fuck's the point now? Like, what the hell? You know, but this – this blows that Vince didn't get this. Um, I, I know, you know, I was higher. I, I know that you liked Alistair Black, but I know I was higher on him. And like many people have said, there was something natural about him. You didn't have to pin it on him. That gave you that kind of energy, the, 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 the quietness to him, but the darkness of The Undertaker. And it wasn't so on the nose and it wasn't trying to be over the top. And they had a chance to interact the two of them, and I still think it was a huge mistake. Um, when AJ was about to start his feud with the uh, Undertaker, he had a match with Alistair Black, and Taker saved him. And you could even, you know, if it was actually like lied in front of people, this is going back, you could even have had Aleister Black and Undertaker versus the Good Brothers and AJ Styles at that WrestleMania, put him over a little bit, but none of that happened. None of that, there was no interaction before that, there was a lot of, like I said, broom closet activity, if you will, of weird fucking promos from him. Then he lost the I getting involved with this weird Seth Rollins, Buddy Murphy. Had some great matches with Buddy Murphy in the meantime, but against Rey Mysterio, Dominic, and Aliyah, And then, uh, I don't know, went against, Sal- or went against AJ Styles again at one point. It was all a bunch of nothing. And all these promos with the work that they put into them, with the animation... Just for nothing, and um, I'm just happy that Tommy End, I mean, he has his name, and I don't know if he should change it. I think Tommy End's a little simple, but I'm sure he can figure out something. But one thing that was really good to hear is that um, No Man's Land, which, like I said, he helped write the new one, but he was like, maybe they'll use it for someone else, whatever. But, you know, No Man's Land was made by cfos and was done by agent orange uh, recorded wise for him he owns that so he i don't know if i guess he bought it afterwards or something like that but he plans on using his theme music and the old entrance that he had and apparently he had a good talk with triple h before he left i'm sure hunter did not want him to go and apparently he did say that he did have talks or wanted to go back to nxt but it's not necessarily that he was turned down. He had a long, if you guys want to see it, interview on his uh, wife, Tia Trinidad's, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Twitch station, or her her thing. So that's that's up there. But uh, very disappointed. But I think that he's going to come back, man. Love to see him in Ring of Honor, New Japan, AEW, Impact, any of them, honestly. I really would. There's there's nothing. I'm excited about Aleister Black. Um, I don't see him necessarily working with MLW, which would be a good fit for him at first, because they're going to have interactions with NXT, unless that's okay. But I want to see, out of anyone, I'd love to see Aleister Black be the guy that comes up to AEW and does some cool shit there with his own theme music, being able to come out, whether he's Tommy End or whatever. Um, I don't know. This one really pissed me off, Chris. I I, I saw a lot of potential in Aleister Black, and I know you know that.
0: Yeah, and I think I said it even when they threw him in the tag team with Ricochet. I was like, they don't know what to fucking do with this guy. When they first brought them up, uh, I was like, this is going to be his debut. He's tagging with fucking Ricochet. And then they put him in a closet for months. And then he starts having matches, like you said. And not bad matches or anything. It's like they never quite knew what to do with him. And maybe they didn't want to step on Bray's character. I I don't know what was actually going through their head. Um, With 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 Alistair, the fact that he asked to go back to uh, NXT, I'm sure, you know, that conversation went well, because once you go to the main roster, you're making main roster money, I would assume. So, man, it's it is a waste because he was really good in NXT. And like you said, there is something about him. I mean, he had some great matches Like I I thought a really good for you, like you said, with Velveteen Dream and but also with Andrade. Um, maybe that's something he could rekindle if he did end up somewhere like AEW. And it's cool that he's going to keep his insurance and stuff. And I mean, he, I mean, he could be a real dick and just make his name Alistair end, <laughs> which would be really fucking funny.
1: <laughs> That'd be awesome.
0: Um, but yeah, that one that one was a surprise just because I it seemed like they were giving him a push, and like you said, that was that would be a good way for him and to get one get Biggie away from that title belt as well as elevate Aleister Black if he got some wins over Biggie and give Big E something to do and, and Cesaro something to do like a new guy in the middle card that's not necessarily going for the title but something that could be like you're right under the main event with those guys if, if built and done properly like you were alluding to but yeah that one was surprising um Braun Strowman was super surprising but you know after hearing the money amount like we talked about earlier maybe maybe not so much if they're trying to shed shed some dollars but that's I mean, the Alistair Black one is just surprising because it's. You were. You thought there was no way they could fuck this guy up. <laughs> I think that's what you said. Yeah. We, we should
1: never say that on
0: the show ever again. Because every I time. Say the, we say I it, said the
1: same thing about Keith Lee and Damian Priest. And now I'm like, God dang it. Like, what the fuck? And Shinsuke. No, no. I said that about Shinsuke too. And. I said it about
0: okay. Austin Theory and Velveteen Dream, which they had some other stuff that maybe threw them off the rails a little bit. But, like, every time we fucking utter those words, they get fucked up somehow. We said the same thing about Ricochet when he got signed to XT. It's like, there's no way they could fuck this guy up. He's, like, so great. And when he's, he's on fucking main event now. So maybe we just ban ourselves from saying that.
1: <laughs> maybe yeah. Maybe, then, maybe, if not, we get a dick in our <laughs> ear. That's always what happens
0: we're the we're jinxing it apparently
1: God damn it Uh, all right so the last question about this before we go home and uh finish up this episode uh apparently for the same source and i I don't remember if this is uh originally sean ross sap or whoever or maybe the observer is the one that that basically people are saying this is not going to be it that there's going to be more in the future and uh that's terrifying but you know i threw out some people um well just based on how they fucking treat them uh i know they have no tag teams but i could see the same thing with the war raiders even um but (sighs) if there is someone who you think potentially they might cut especially like if you got like a weird like bigger name they could see them getting rid of chris since obviously they're trying to cut big costs like braun Strowman.
0: I mean, they could not bring back Edge for the rest of his appearances, I guess. I'm assuming that he's getting paid a lot per appearance.
1: Um, man, fuck that. I'll kill them.
0: I don't think that they'd necessarily say he was fired, but because he's getting paid... He's like on the kind of like the Brock Lesnar-type contract. Um. I mean, it could it could affect bringing in someone like Brock Lesnar. Or maybe that's why they're shedding money, because they need to shed money to bring in someone like Cena or Lesnar to have these big matches they want to have. I mean, that's a possibility as well.
1: Like, the money's how coming much,
0: from somewhere.
1: How much are they paying Bray Wyatt? I'm going to put it out there.
0: I don't know. I mean, he's probably going to walk in and ask for more if he just found out that... <laughs> If Braun was making $1 million. <laughs> uh, No, all joking aside, I mean, like, uh, I heard that they were going to look at cutting a bunch of people from NXT UK.
1: Yeah. That's
0: one of the rumors floating they're
1: not, around. They're not going to cut Walter, right? I mean, I don't have to worry about him or Pete Dunne or or Tyler Bate. Those are like I, the, the foundation members, right?
0: Yeah, I don't think so, especially with as high as the entire wrestling community and wrestling industry is on Valter. I can't see them cutting him.
1: It's just crazy, man. I don't want anyone to lose their job, but one thing that was pleasant and, uh, you know, said before with the last set of cuts last year. But really, you know, those people also said the same thing people were saying. You will be fine. You will find yourself on your feet. You will, you know, strive in this industry. This is their loss. And I said on Aleister Black's uh, personal Facebook page, which I doubt he even saw, but still, or not, his uh, Twitter page, I should say. But when he was commenting on it, I said, you're going to, I think he's going to do very similar things that Drew McIntyre did. But I don't think he's going to go back to WWE, but I think that he's going to lift himself to uh, another level and make them regret their decision on getting rid of him. Because they didn't see anything in him. And Braun, if if he ends up retiring or whatever, I kind of hope he doesn't. But they fucked him up so many goddamn times. He did so much for that company that they asked him to do. And he's always been a team player. And I think that if he goes somewhere else, that respect will be there. Santana, Ruby, both of them are great female wrestlers. They'll be able to go anywhere and do well. Murphy's gonna do well anywhere. I mean, all these guys are gonna end up on their feet uh, very easily. I say, I would say.
0: Yeah, I have to agree with you, especially with the the top names on that list and, and someone like Ruby Riot, because I think Ruby Riot, like you like you said, that would be someone that would make sense to go to AEW right away, just because I think it elevates their limits division. Um, but yeah, I mean. With with the people that they have there, uh, that we we're talking about on this list. There's it's kind of hard to think that there would be a miss, right? Like they're going to end up somewhere. The only question would be like with Lana, I guess. Does she even want to? Um, would she rather pursue like acting or? Which she did. She just recently did a film, right? Um, and modeling. She's done that before, and, and I, she's kind of the one that would be up in the air. But the rest of them, I think, will end up somewhere. Um, an interesting prospect would, like you said, with Alistair Black, would be ending up in MLW. That would be fucking hilarious. With the working relationship with NXT.
1: He's someone that, like, part of me wants to see him show up in Ring of Honor or New Japan. Even more so than AEW. He would be a reason why I'd watch uh, Ring of Honor more so than I did, and he would work out great with those guys, but him in New Japan, against Minoru Suzuki, against... Uh, you know, whoever fucking over there. I mean, I think that he would be a great addition, because he's almost got like, even though obviously he's he's from um, Amsterdam and, and whatnot, he's almost got like this Muda quality to his darkness. He's very silent. He's a killer. His in ring style. So it it would be it would be fun with him over in Japan too.
0: Yeah, I mean he he would be great fit there if you wanted to go work in Japan I'm sure New Japan would be very happy to have him um, they could do a lot with that kind of character they I mean I, the only thing that they really have like that, that is evil and it's not to the extent of, of what he you know what what Alistair Black's character is
1: maybe he goes to pro wrestling Noah and challenges Keiji Muto one of his idols for the GHC title. You know, there's there's lots of stuff you can do with Alistair Black in the industry, and that would be a fun one for him to do. But you know, I mean, he's gonna he's gonna be fine, man. The dude gives you the Undertaker vibes, and he's inter- he's he's influenced by people like Yuji Nagata, Hayabusa, and fucking Keiji Muto and and uh, Jushin Liger. There's no way th- he's got everything going for him, to me at least. I don't know. I'm, I know I'm really high on this guy, and I always have been, but. I have no idea how they fucked him up after the first time I saw him premiere on NXT.
0: Well, I mean, he could even end up somewhere like New Japan Strong, right? And then he could have that match with Yuji Nagata if he wanted to. Uh, And also Filthy Tom. Filthy Tom needs people to fight.
1: Both of them have that MMA kind of concept towards them. Yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff. I'm excited. But uh, all right, guys, that's an episode. Wrestling Alliance, thank you guys so much for listening to us. We do this every week. We record on Saturday, get our show up the next day or two afterwards. So all new listeners, thank you guys so much for listening to us. Keep on checking us out every week for more information, news, opinions, and all that jazz on professional wrestling. i got to thank my co-host, Christopher, Brother Patton. Hey, Chris, what are you doing this weekend? And plug all of your shows. I know you already said something about the hockey show, but let them know even more about it do what you want. Do what you want. Think about <laughs> it. Love the lovely people. All right. All
0: right. So, yeah, we uh, at Skates the Throats will be out some point this weekend. We're definitely recording it, um, trying to figure out what's the best time just because there's going to be playoff games going on as well. So we try to fit it in when we do the recording so it doesn't come out all wonky uh, with the scores and everything. So we're going to do that. And um, also, we got new artwork up which is exciting for if you're on Spotify or any of the downloadable platforms, you should see the new artwork out there. It's made by my friend, Josh, uh, Josh Jarrett. You can hit him at at J-X-U-A Jarrett on Twitter. If you want to talk to me on Twitter, uh, at Chris, uh, Chris R. Patton uh, on Facebook, Christopher.R. Patton, feel free to reach out. If you didn't like something I said, let me know. If you you like something I said, let me know. Let's have a discussion. It'll be fun. Um, And also that artwork is posted up there on my Twitter as well. Uh, and I think that's it Dane I, I'm gonna go get some Mexican food in my body after this that's gonna be great. Ooh. And that's gonna be pretty much my whole damn weekend man I'm gonna eat Mexican food and then lay around like a fat kid today maybe play some video games later and then probably like I said the skate to throat podcast either late tonight or tomorrow
1: That sounds like a great idea. I love the Mexican food edition might have to do that tonight but uh yeah and uh awesome art by your friend man. Amazing, amazing work! But get all of our old listeners. Thank you guys always for listening to us. Love talking to you and all of our new listeners. Go to our website, Geek Vibes Nation. That's GeekVibesNation.com. You'll find news articles from all of our various topics, uh, you know, in the geek atmosphere, world, whatever for wrestling, video games, um, comics, comic movies, movies just in general. So check that out. You can also find us on our social media platforms at Geek Vibes Nation. Uh, you know, join the conversation. Join Geek Vibes Nation with all of them, and find us on pretty much any downloadable platform. Uh, audio-wise, uh, you know, if you want to listen to Greek, Wrestling Geeks Alliance, just Google it. Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Find your perfect one uh, between iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all those different platforms. Definitely listen to us, and we love you guys out there. You can find me DaneAlves42 on Twitter or DaneAlves on Facebook, and we'll have some fun talks. And uh, yeah, you guys have a good one. Have a great weekend. And wrestling is is so great, so great. It's it's, it's lovely. Thank you guys so much. Have a wonderful day. Let the Geek Fives be with you. And as always, peace out.